No, I listen to it all the time. I tell all my friends to smack it raw. Podcast contains mature content. The views and opinions expressed by the host are not necessarily those of the host. Listener discretion is advised. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Smackin' Raw Podcast, episode 173. I am your host, the warden, Matt Ritter, and today I have a very, very special guest with me, all the way from Italy, Frank from the Last Minute Wrestling Podcast. How's it going, man? It's great to be here. Let me tell you that. And uh, I've been wanting, since generally when i record my podcast nobody sees me when i'm doing this but every time i introduce myself i do this from italy frank mandolini i do that like like rob van dam it's a very stupid thing i started doing just because like to have a little bit of, of a boost of con- confidence and it worked it worked and I, I i do that every every time i record an intro which is awesome because what i wanted to bring up if you guys aren't familiar with frank um he does interviews he's interviewed most recently uh veda scott was one i know yep. you've interviewed a kid i know you've interviewed uh, matthew from botchamania and of course oh, yeah. rob van dam yeah the man himself the man himself and it's because of that stupid intro that that i that the rob van dam and jester i do every time i record uh i tweeted out uh, uh this thing right back when i started the podcast actually which is pretty recent it's back in April. And uh, I said, oh, you know, this, this gave me a boost of confidence. And Rob Van Dam retweeted me. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell? And uh, uh, basically, uh, he, uh, I, of course, I, I tried to say, well, if you want to come to the show, just, you know, because you got to try <laughs> this situation. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and he was kind enough to say, yeah, sure. And uh, then for like a week, I didn't hear a word from him and uh, I didn't have a chance to get in touch with him because uh, I didn't have his uh, email Uh, his DMs are closed obviously (laughs) as you you would expect and uh, after that uh, one morning out of the blue he said he sent me a DM DM, and it was like yeah whenever you want to do it except Tuesdays That is awesome. So Rob Van Dam is a really cool guy. I, I remember I was probably 16. My dad was flying for work and he ended up on a plane with a bunch of wrestlers. I think it was after Monday Night Raw. And mm-hmm. uh, Van Dam was on there. Jericho was on there. Triple H was on there. And uh, my dad said Triple H, you know, didn't really seem to want to be bothered. But Van Dam was cool. Talked to him, asked him about me. You know, oh, Ooh. your son's a big wrestling fan. This and that, cause my dad didn't watch, but he signed, you know, an autograph for my dad. So did Chris Jericho. So yeah, no, he seems like a really cool guy and that's really fucking awesome. Yeah, he is. He is definitely. And, uh, he really, uh, he really helped me to, to step up my game, you know, because mm-hmm. when you're talking with him, you're talking 
of course, to a professional wrestler, but also to an entertainer of the highest caliber who's been doing that for 30 years now. So you got to step up your game. You, you have to be as good as he is. <laughs> and, uh, and that was, was a tough act to, <laughs> to, to interact with. But I did my best. I, 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 hope, I, hope, I hope the end result is good. I listened to the show. I thought it was a good show. It was actually the first show of yours I listened to. Um, and then I went back and listened to more. Because you also interview a lot of talent from Europe, uh, European yeah. wrestlers and things like that. So talent that I'm not familiar with, that you know we might not see over here. Or maybe eventually we'll see on Impact or we'll see on uh, like A-Kid with NXT UK, stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, no, it's a very, very cool show, and I definitely recommend you guys go check that out. So Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, that was a, uh, a learning experience for me as well, because uh, I myself, I'm not really, I was not really familiar with uh, a lot of the European guys I had on the show. So yeah. it was a chance to, because, you know, you, you don't see that, uh, you, most of them, you don't see them on TV regularly. Yeah. So, so that, that was a, a cool learning experience for me as well well you picked a hell of a week to come on the show because uh oh yeah a lot of stuff happened let's let's get into it first and foremost as always ladies and gentlemen i ask that you go to my pin tweet at matt ritter that's at m-a-t-t-r-i-d-d-e-r and you check out the merch store for young kings wrestling over at what a maneuver they have that black lives matter shirt and we ask that you please go not only support them but that money goes to a good cause um, the equality, the, the issues it, we focus here in America, but it's worldwide. Um, oh, yeah. it happens everywhere. So please go support that, get money in the hands of the people that want to make a change. Um, and I appreciate those guys for doing that. Uh, whew, news and rumors, man. Uh, first and <laughs> foremost, yes, Pat Patterson passed away. Oh yeah. Um, most of my memories of Pat are from Attitude Era with him as the stooge for Vince McMahon, along with Gerald Briscoe, you know, comedy fodder, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. But he's so much more than that. I mean, one of the greatest Finnish men in the business, so knowledgeable, first Indeed. ever Intercontinental Champion. Um, and then also his personal life, you know, being a gay man in the wrestling business and hiding it for so many years or not feeling comfortable enough to officially come out for so long, even though they say everyone knew, like, yeah. He still didn't ever tell anyone until much later in his life. So overcame a lot of stuff. He's still overcoming stuff because there are people out there that are, uh, you know, not respecting his passing or his legacy right now, which all I can say to that mm -hmm. is really, come on. Like, yeah. Regardless of what you think or feel, he is a legend. And you, I'm not telling you not to have those feelings for everyone listening like if you believe what has been said about him that's fine but you don't need to go online after he's dead and disrespect the dead person that's it's uncalled for it's unnecessary um and i'm not i'm not with anyone that's doing that um you don't disrespect the dead so yeah i, I totally agree with you and if i can add just a little thing sorry to interrupt oh, yeah. no go ahead but uh, uh one thing that i feel like that is missing especially on social media and especially on a platform like Twitter, which is, you know, you have so little space to express yourself. So it's not really a place for nuance, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, but one thing I feel like uh, is missing is the ability to discern between uh, 
the man and whatever whatever may have happened in his personal life and what he accomplished in his field where, where he was working. Uh, and that doesn't apply, of course, only to Pat Patterson. Recently, we saw uh, the footballer Diego Maradona that died as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, spite, uh, in spite of being Italian, I really don't like football. So, <laughs> but, uh, so I, I want to say that, that clear football, uh, soccer in the US. Um, but uh, uh, of course, I knew who Maradona was and I, I saw the clips and everything. And uh, it was for many reasons, which I'm not going to mention at the moment. It was a really, let's say, questionable person, okay, from a personal point of view. Right. But he was probably the best footballer ever. That's, that's I think, without a doubt. Yeah. And the same can be applied to many other, many other sports, many other, like actors, whatever. And uh, with, Pat, with Pat Patterson as well, that he just recently died. I saw some disrespectful stuff too. And I think that's uncalled for. Yeah. Especially right after it happened. Like they announced that he died and there are people, Oh, I can't believe you're celebrating his career. And I can't believe you're talking nice about him. He's this, he's that. And that's not necessary. Like, again, you can feel that way, but you shouldn't be online telling other people how they should feel about someone that they grew up watching that their fathers, mothers, grandfathers even grew up watching, who has been a part of a business that they've loved, a major integral part of this business that they've loved for so long. Um, And, you know, allow them to mourn. Don't shit on them while they're mourning. Like that, it's, it's not cool. So, yeah. Um, We're going to stick with kind of that theory uh, talking about the internet wrestling community. So Shotzi Blackheart, who is Mm -hmm. currently my favorite female on NXT right now, uh, yeah. for multiple reasons yeah. apparently did some b movies uh early on in her career one of which she was nude in a shower scene where she was killed and the internet mm-hmm. went after her for this and attacked her and shamed her and it's like listen how many tv shows how many movies do you see where actresses are naked doing these scenes why oh, yeah. is it any different for shotzi and regardless of the fact that we are the number one wrestling podcast on pornhub um <laughs> That's not why I'm advocating for this. Like, it's not a pornographic movie. She's not having explicit sex scenes. It's not something you're going to find on, you know, Pornhub or Brazzers or so. I mean, you might be able to find it on Pornhub, but it's not a porn scene. Yep. It is literally a B-movie, direct-to-DVD shower scene. There's nothing graphic. There's nothing terrible. It's nothing you wouldn't see in any other horror movie, B or A. So... The fact that people are attacking her for doing this early in her career even and shaming her for this is ridiculous and shame on you. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally that that's terrible. That's terrible. I saw I saw a few of those of those tweets as well. And I thought the exact same thing. Even because uh, uh, again, sorry if I make a, again comparison with other other fields, other oh, artists, but how many actors uh, have started like doing not nece- not necessarily porn but you know this this kind of uh, uh rated r movies let's say or something mm-hmm. like that b movies c movies like for god's sake sylvester stallone he is he's he is called in rocky he is called the italian stallion because that's a porn movie he did before doing rocky so 
I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I'm Sicilian on my mother's side, so I'm all for Rocky. Oh, oh yeah. Be- best movie ever. <laughs> best movie. I can talk for I can talk about Rocky for <laughs> for ages. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so don't just don't be dickheads online. Like there's no reason to attack Shotzi Blackheart for doing a movie early in her career. She's a horror fan. It's part of the horror trope. Like oh, yeah. she got to be a part of something she loved and she shouldn't feel bad about that. And she looks fantastic in the movie. So let her be proud of her body. And if she wants to show her body, let her show her body. She consented to doing the movie. She was fine with it. So just let it be. There's no need to attack these people online for their choices they made. Like just enjoy what they gave us. Yeah. And probably, if, I mean, before signing with the WWE, uh, he may, I don't know, but I don't know for sure, but he, she may have struggled uh, like working uh, full-time as a, as a wrestler. I, I can think that she had to find other ways. I don't know. So uh, I don't know if you've heard this, but there, there is a uh, rumor that I'm pretty sure is legitimized that uh, she was selling poop. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, she definitely <laughs> did other things to make money and did make money. People bought Shotzi's poop. I, as much as I, mean, I love Shotzi, I don't think I could – I wouldn't buy anyone's poop. I wouldn't buy my wife's poop. Like, not happening. No, no. There are people that are into that. She found that community. She sold to that community. She did what she had to do to make money, including this movie. So, yeah. Um, also – did you see the WCW reboot stuff? Oh, yeah. That, that oh, was amazing. <laughs> that was the stuff of dreams. I don't understand how people fell for this. It was, it was awful. It was terrible. Yeah. I, I do appreciate the people that kind of ran with the joke and, you know, played it yeah. up a little bit. But, listen, if you literally saw this and thought that uh, somebody purchased 50% of WCW from the WWE <laughs> and that WCW was coming back in 2021 – and then read that letter that they sent out with the terrible grammar and yeah listen there's no help for you like it's not coming <laughs> back it wwe is not going to give up the rights to its wcw like they would lose a lot of what's on the network they would lose a lot of their rights to pay-per-view names and things that they're <laughs> using they're using starcade they're using halloween havoc they're using great american bash they're using these things war games like yeah. They're not giving that up to some company so that they can go start WCW. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that was uh, amazingly delusional, I would say, for all the people who immediately uh, jumped on it, following it. I, I, probably many did that in a you know, sarcastic way. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I, I personally, I loved when I, see, when, when I saw that, that, that tweet because it was so weird. Like, we tried to contact them through Gmail. Yeah, said. exactly. I didn't even know WWE had a Gmail account. So, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. They, they don't have enough money to pay for, for their own servers, apparently. No, no. <laughs> you know, not like they have their own network or anything, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then last but not least, we'll end news and rumors on a high note. Uh, your mm-hmm. current NXT North American champion, and the only full-time female ref in NXT, Aja mm-hmm. Smith and Leon Ruff got engaged. So congratulations yeah. to them. I'm happy for them. That is a really cool couple, and they're doing some really cool things in WWE right now. Leon Ruff, which we'll talk about, is not someone 
that they would typically put a championship on or give a run to. And like I said, nope. we'll talk about it when we get to NXT. I believe Aja Smith is the first ever full-time African-American female referee for WWE. And one of the few female referees that they have. So, you know, both of them doing big things right now. Very happy mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. And uh, uh, let me tell you the story. When I started out the podcast, I did like on this spreadsheet, the people I wanted to interview. And you may not believe it, but both Aja Smith and Leo Ruff were on that spreadsheet. Uh, that, then, you know, as I realized how things worked, I realized that uh, probably uh, it would be a lot more difficult to interview people uh, signed to a, a, a company such as WWE because you mm-hmm. got, got to get through PR, basically. But, <laughs> but at the very beginning, they were on my radar. And I'm so happy to see what, what's going on with, uh, with both of them and the storyline uh, with uh, Leon. Well, I will say this. If anyone from WWE is listening, to get the word out about NXT and what's going on in NXT, even better across the pond, it would be a great idea to have Frank interview Leon Ruff, Aja Smith, so that it is put out there. It is spread to the UK fan base, the European fan base. So, and he is a very professional guy. He does a great job. So I definitely recommend, I know no one's listening. Trust me, no one. (laughs) Thank you anyway for putting me over. I would be very surprised if anyone from WWE was like, oh, the number one wrestling podcast on Pornhub. I got to listen to that right now. Let's see what they got to say. So, uh, (laughs) but if you are, definitely please give Frank a chance. Let him get a shot. And let him knock off a couple of names from his bucket list. So, yeah, yeah. All right, Frank, let's get into this. So, as I always okay. do with my guest hosts, I kind of like to let you steer the show. So, what show do you want to talk about first? Do we want to jump in with AEW or do we want to save that for last? Raw, SmackDown, NXT, where are we going? Okay. Uh, I must admit that uh, my knowledge is, uh, I would say, stronger with AEW. Okay. Because it's it's the show that I that I follow clo- the most probably closely. Um, I even because uh, mainly WWE, I, I get to I get to see WWE stuff mainly through their highlights and you know reading that various websites about mm-hmm. news and stuff like that. And uh, and AEW is the one that I have a, a more complete picture. But having said so. We know that this week has been particularly eventful for AEW. Very. So I think it's better to leave it for for the end of this okay. interview. What you think? Yeah, no, we can do that. Um, so do you want to go with Raw, SmackDown, or NXT? Yeah, let's let's go let's go chronologically with the Raw. Okay, and see that'll work out because I, while I enjoy AEW, I'm not a diehard AEW fan. I'm not fully down that rabbit hole i don't watch being the elite i don't do AEW. Oh, no, neither. but uh i am much more knowledgeable with the wwe products so we'll balance each other out here yes um, perfect and we kicked off monday night raw with one of my favorite parts of monday night raw we got a moment of bliss alexa bliss has been fantastic in this new character that she's been doing working yeah. with the fiend and there's been a lot so basically what happens is randy comes out and alexa starts asking randy questions about the fiend um 
says that it's all bottled up inside. Basically, Randy's saying that he's manipulating the fiend and he's found the fiend's weakness and he thinks it's Alexa. And then there's a moment before the fiend mm-hmm. comes out where Alexa goes, are you sure? And then the lights go out and the fiend comes out. And when the fiend comes out, Alexa's in Randy's arms. Now, a lot of people interpreted this different ways. The way I yes. saw it was maybe what Alexa was saying isn't that the fiend is manipulating Randy, but that she's the one manipulating the fiend. That's why she Whoa. jumped into Randy's arms. That's, a, that's an interesting take. So look at it. Everyone's assumed that Alexa's been under the, speen, the fiend's spell, right? Mm-hmm. She's entranced by him. He's controlling. But what if Alexa's doing that to gain the fiend's trust? She's gained the fiend's love in a way, mm-hmm. as we saw, because when the fiend showed up and Alexa's in Randy's arms, he reached out and motioned, give her mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And Randy did. What if Alexa is manipulating the fiend? She's playing this character to get control of the fiend and, again, jumped into Randy's arms, knowing that the fiend would come and collect her. What mm-hmm. if she's guiding the fiend, the fiend isn't guiding her? Well, that's an interesting take. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know about it uh, because if we if we look back at how their their cooperation as a duo started, it is because basically the the fiend started to haunt her in some ways on Raw. If I'm mm-hmm. no, or, or they were still on SmackDown back then, and. Uh, that that will will seem like that uh, you know he was the one in control from the beginning, but I don't know. Seeing it from your perspective, uh, we can we can like imagine that uh, she she was able to to get in touch with the more human part of the fiend or something like that. Possibly. So let's not forget that when Bray or the fiend started haunting Alexa. It wasn't for Alexa. It was to get no. a Braun Strowman. Yeah. He wanted to get to Braun Strowman, and he thought that Alexa was the key to getting to Braun Strowman. So now if Alexa saw the power in the Fiend and said, I can use that to my advantage, she mm-hmm. acts as though she's subdued by the Fiend, she's entranced by the Fiend, that you know, she, she lets the Fiend think he's in control, but she's going to start doing things like jumping into Randy's arms, saying certain things in the Firefly Funhouse to kind of mm-hmm. guide him down the path that she wants him to go. That's the way I look at it. And I think that's a really cool aspect of it. What does she have to, to gain from that? Well, that's what opinion. we'd have to find out. See, <laughs> now that, that would be very interesting to see because so far the whole arc of The Fiend has been The Fiend is Bray Wyatt's way of getting revenge for all the ways he feels he's been wronged in the past. Yeah. The, the big losses, the betrayals. From the yeah. Wyatt family, from John Cena, from Roman Reigns, from Braun Strowman, so on and so forth. Now Randy Orton, who's now Randy the Orton. biggest betrayal. Oh, yeah. Indeed. I am a huge Bray Wyatt fan. And when he won the title Likewise. in 2017 at Elimination Chamber, I flipped out. Yeah, I, I marked out. That whole story with Randy and then him losing the title at WrestleMania broke my heart. Like that, I was like, come on, he just got it. Like, don't After do this to me. Yeah. But then we got the Fiend character from it. We've had two universal title runs for the Fiend now, which is mm-hmm. nice. But uh, yeah, no, it would be very interesting to see what Alexa's 
end game is if she is manipulating the fiend i personally do think that that is uh the route we are going down is the fiend isn't in control of alexa randy isn't in control of the fiend alexa's mm-hmm. in control of the whole situation why i don't know yeah that's that's for us to find out that that's interesting that's an interesting take thank you thank you uh then we had so it's no secret here i'm not a jeff hardy fan um <laughs> I made that very clear on every episode. We had the Symphony of Destruction match. Uh, Jeff ends up defeating Elias. During the match, we got Truth hiding inside a piano. Mm-hmm. He comes out. A bunch of people run out chasing him. Gulak and the Lucha House Party end up getting taken out by Jeff and Elias. We finished the match with a swanton bomb through a table with a bunch of tiny little violins on top of Elias. And Jeff Hardy smacks his head on the ring steps. Yeah. That was awful. It was. Hold on, all of what you just mentioned, in my opinion. It was. Um, so there were a lot of people who were, I hope Jeff's okay. And I, I agree. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't like the character Jeff Hardy. I don't want to see the person get a concussion, be hurt, no. or anything like that. But this is also what Jeff Hardy does. This is why Jeff Hardy is popular. This is why he got famous. This is why people love him is because he does stuff like this. He has yeah. a history of doing it for over 10 years. So it's also a little hard for me to feel sympathy mm-hmm. when I've just been watching him do it forever and it's just, you know, what he does, you know? Mm. Yeah. So he's never been cautious. He's never really done extra to take care of himself. I mean, look at the bump he took from Helena Seligan's Randy Orton. Look at the bumps he's taken off of title belts and 20, 30, 40 foot ladders. Like, yeah. Yeah. He has, he has never been cautious. You, you said it right. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of detached of, of, of this old storyline that they, yeah. uh, that they are, that they are, that they keep doing with Elias because I think Elias had a little bit of potential uh, at various stages of his WWE career, to be honest. And uh, and uh, when he was uh, uh, injured last April, May, I don't recall exactly when it was, I think that was at a very unfortunate time because it was uh, coming off of a victory of, at WrestleMania and uh, he had a little bit of steam. And uh, now he came back and... Uh, uh, from a, a musician perspective, because in my spare time, I'm also a musician. Okay. Oh my God, I love this performance when he came back. And uh, that was really good. That, that was indeed really good. But now there are, uh, I think they're pushing the envelope a little bit too much for my taste with all of this, you know, again, this Symphony of Destruction bullshit, which is a, a terrible match to begin with. And it was bad even, the first time. They didn't need to do it a second time. Yeah, I think it, I think that's the third time actually that they're doing this kind of match. If I yeah. if I'm not mistaken, but anyway, two or three doesn't doesn't change. Uh, the, uh, the the thing is is that uh, the, I don't I don't think they are clicking him and Jeff Hardy like at all. Uh, what, you base this this feud on what? On Jeff Hardy's very very weird musical career. Have you listened to some of his tracks? I have not. Uh, again, not not a fan, so I haven't gone out of my way to <laughs> see if his you, music. 
if you want to do yourself a disservice, <laughs> go and check. Go and check. Is a TNA team that he had like uh, in, uh, uh, I think, 2009 or something like that, uh, which is called Modest. It, okay. it, it's, he, had, he had many different TNA teams that were all of his songs, but that one, in my opinion, sticks particularly for how much terrible that is <laughs> and uh, you know well anyway uh yeah this this feud doesn't really make sense to me it doesn't do any favor to mm, nobody and uh plus uh yeah seeing jeff hardy constantly trying to get injured uh, is not a pleasant sight uh it is kind of his gimmick all yeah. in all yes but he is like what now 42 43 something like that something like that yeah, and if you look back at the clip of the Swanton bomb that he did through the table, it clearly, clearly jumped way too short. Mm-hmm. And uh, a guy, a guy that has as much wrestling experience as Jeff Hardy has, shouldn't do this kind of mistakes, in my opinion. And uh, he's been throughout his career, he's been quite botchy, I think. Not on like Sabu levels, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And uh, but but still, that was a, a risking spot. He, if if he jumped a little bit further than than what he did, uh, it would be fine. It, it wouldn't have risked a concussion. I agree, and uh, I'm really glad you came on here because it's not often I have someone agree with me about you. <laughs> so that was enjoyable. Um, here's the thing, story wise. The story is still terrible because it, it's not about Jeff's music or Elias's music. It's about the fact that supposedly when he was doing the story with Seamus, Jeff Hardy mm-hmm. ran over Elias. Yeah. Jeff claims he didn't do it. Elias basically says, listen, I have no other suspects. Yeah. You're the only one and no one's offered me any alternatives. And that's my thing. If you didn't do it, if you're innocent, why are you not trying to help Elias find the guy that did do it or offer like, hey, it wasn't me, but what about this guy? Or it could have been this person. Why are you getting so angry that you're being blamed for a crime that you didn't commit without helping to try and solve the mystery of who actually did it? Yeah, yeah. But now you're asking you're asking uh, the WWE to write compelling stories that actually make sense you yeah. know you know that's too much you, you can't ask for well that. That, it's not too much because we do it we do it with bray wyatt we do it with yeah yeah, yeah. In, some, in some cases so the problem is that they've exhausted all of their creative logical stories on other people and they don't have time for this which yeah i don't blame them but no i agree elias is an up-and-comer jeff hardy mm-hmm. is on the tail end of his career especially with the way he wrestles they should definitely be putting Elias over here and not having Jeff beat Elias in these kind of matches. Yeah. Um, and from one of my least favorite wrestlers to another, uh, this is <laughs> simply based on his name. Uh, basically, Matt Riddle does vignettes all night where he annoys people and they walk away from him. They don't want to have mm-hmm. anything to do with him because he just keeps rambling. First, it's Keith Lee here. Uh, hashtag Ritter over Riddle, by the way. Um. <clears throat> Like I said, my only beef with Matt Riddle is my last name is Ritter. Uh, mm-hmm. My father's side is Dutch. My last name is Ritter. And uh, his last name is Riddle. And my whole life I've been 
called Ryder, Riddler, everything <laughs> but my last name. And then as I start making a name for myself, I've got the podcast. We get it out there. He drops into WWE, blows up. I've got people tagging me yeah. in posts for would, him. I was about to ask you, how many times per week does that happen? Uh, it doesn't happen a lot per <laughs> week, but it has happened more times than I'd be okay with, especially because <laughs> the last person really didn't like Matt Riddle and was calling to have him like castrated. Oh, yeah. But she tagged me in the post instead. So now she's asking WWE to fire and castrate me. <laughs> And then I was like, hey, listen, I'm not Matt Riddle. And then she blocked me for telling her that I wasn't the person that she was trying to attack. I'm like, you got the wrong guy. That's not me. <laughs> Block. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Um, yeah, no. So uh, Retribution. Uh, Retribution, mm. specifically Ali. They want <laughs> Rest Ricochet. Rest in peace. <laughs> Rest in peace. The Undertaker has just retired, but rest in peace. Yeah. Poor Retribution. Poor them. They didn't have, like, they started out and it was so bad. And then you thought, oh, Ali joined and this is going to get better. And then it didn't. Yeah. Like, their backstage promos, Ali's promos are fantastic. Yeah, they Ali's are. matches are great. But the way yep. they're using Dijakovic, Thorne, and Dio Madden, like, losing. Who are these guys? Sorry. Uh, Who are these guys? They so, are T-Bar, Slapjack. And uh, Mace. Yeah, T-Bar, Slapjack, and Mace. Uh, no, absolutely or... no, no relationship with, with the other one well, that you well, named. <laughs> we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to get to that because something interesting did happen later on. Uh, and I prefer to call him Slap Nuts. And Slap Nuts lost Slap Nuts. here. So yeah. uh, he actually got a little promo time. Mm -hmm. uh, said that Ali basically saved him. And I, I didn't like this because Retribution's whole thing is supposed to be that they were the outcasts, right? That yeah. weren't getting used. So I wanted to see a little more anger from him about how he was in TM. Well, I guess they don't want to bring up his past. But basically, you know, he, he was in a tag team. He got left behind because that's what happened. Like, he was in TM61. Yep. They got rid of half of his – or they got rid of his tag team partner. He struggled a little bit. Tried to give him a singles run. That didn't work out. Then they put him with another guy. MVP was supposed to manage him. Then he left them to be in the Hurt business. And yes. he's just kind of – been in a holding pattern his entire career in wwe so yeah i really would have liked to see them kind of allude to that but not come out and say it since they want to keep that uh side but um ricochet actually loses the slap nuts here i'm sorry let me correct myself um retribution has a big assist in this match and then during the match dana brooke who has a match with reckoning later in the night to get her revenge Walks down and just slaps Ali. Yeah. Just like that. Why? <laughs> I don't know. If, uh, if I recall correctly, last Monday was uh, Dana Brooks' birthday. So probably some TV time was their WWE's way to give her a gift. Yeah. <laughs> or, or hey, we'll get you like out that. on TV twice. We'll, we got, yeah. Actually, they gave her two gifts because... Oh, you know what? Fuck it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, Dana yeah. Brooke defeats Reckoning. Now, mind yeah. you, during the match, her mask falls off, and it is clearly Mia Yim. Can you imagine? Can you imagine at Keith Lee's household when 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 they both come back from work? How was your day at work today? You know this kind of stuff. Like like uh, well, I I saw something probably you know that like uh, some. Someone from Retribution that really looks like you. Yeah, exactly. Your twin <laughs> yeah. sister. I mean, 
it, is there so, anything you want to tell you want to talk to me about? What I love about Mia Yim is on social media, she has done her best to pretend that Mia Yim is not reckoning. There is a reckoning yeah. Twitter that is brutal as fuck that attacks oh, yeah. people and does not give a shit. And then there's Mia Yim, and when someone tries to tag Mia Yim about reckoning, she goes, "That's not me." Yeah, but then yeah, the yeah. mask fell off. So like, I like to think kayfabe wise, Keith Lee's sitting in the back and the mask falls off and he's just like, well, shit, she jumped. <laughs> like, what was that about? Did I not clean the dishes? Did I, you know, probably pee on the toilet seat? Like what the hell happened here? So yeah. Yeah. That, that's the same thing. <laughs> I, I thought. <laughs> yeah. And uh, well, props to her for keeping kayfabe alive. Trying, trying as hard as she could until the mask fell off after that. Trying. Yeah. But yeah, no, Dana Brooke got to come down and slap Ali and got a win. Yeah. Um, there is no better way to bury a new talent than have them lose to Dana Brooke in their first match on Raw. Because yeah. what has Dana Brooke really done other than team with Mandy Rose? That makes no sense. That makes no sense. And uh, uh, trust me, for some weird reasons i even like dana brooke actually <laughs> actually uh, i i i recall uh azuka's debut at, at uh, an nxt takeover which was against uh, uh dana brooke which was brutalized in seconds probably mm -hmm. and and i don't know why for for some weird reasons uh, since then i said okay i like this this poor girl who who, who lost in such a brutal way uh, but uh, yeah, that made no sense whatsoever. I'm sorry. I, I started liking Dana Brooke around the time that her and Batista were flirting on Twitter. I got oh, behind yeah, that, that. I was all yeah. for that. Then COVID hit and fucked that whole thing up. And then uh, I just, I lost interest. And then she teamed with Mandy and that was kind of cool, but she's always kind of been a background player. Even in that tag team, mm -hmm. obviously Mandy's the forefront and she's the yeah. backup. Um, so like, again, her, not only beating Reckoning, but then Ali being pissed and yelling at Reckoning kind of makes me worry for Mia Yim's future on the main roster. It could be a good thing. They might kick her out of Retribution, and she might go on to do some things in the women's division. Or yeah. they could kick her out of Retribution, and we might not see her again for God knows how long. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm kind of torn in that one. Because, yeah, probably at this stage almost nothing will save retribution no I, I i feared that i fear that because i liked i liked the idea behind retribution and uh, uh as you said uh, uh, they they kind of sort of saved the old thing like a couple of times but uh you know uh, lately they've been like jobbing on on main event or something like that and uh, uh now even uh, for instance if you give them the WWE Championship, nothing will change. You, you, you won't feel them as a believable champions. Any of them. I agree. So what, what will save Retribution? And uh, at, this, at this point, if Miaim uh, pulls out uh, a Mercedes Martinez, I would say, because apparently that's what she did as well. She, uh, she defected uh, for personal reasons, it looks like. Uh, retribution I think that even if she takes like a couple of months off of TV she can come back stronger basically oh yeah it, even because even because Vince McMahon feels that he has uh, uh, the, the power to erase our memory 
you know <laughs> so so yeah you uh, like mm, Rey Mysterio's eye grew back and yeah. uh you know this yeah. kind of stuff uh AJ Styles was buried alive by the Undertaker but like six weeks after that it was fine uh people went th- were thrown off of a building but <laughs> the, the next Monday they were fine so you know no I'm with you um and to be fair, uh, the giant got thrown off a building first, and he just walked back yeah. down and attacked, yeah. and then dry humped Hulk Hogan back in WCW. So, I mean, with, with the Yeti, wrestlers have superpowers. They they are yeah. real life superheroes. They can regenerate body parts. They can survive death defying acts, like being Absolutely. buried alive, jumping off buildings. Uh, unless you're Aleister Black, because that just completely killed his career. Um, poor Alistair dude poor. I'm so I'm so mad about that between the like again Bray Wyatt right now The Fiend my favorite wrestler Alistair Black I was huge on Alistair Black which is crazy oh, yeah. because I've never really been big on that uh that striker style that he has mm-hmm. but he really brought me around with the black mask kick and everything he did when he was in NXT I absolutely fucking loved the guy yeah and they did everything they could to ruin Alistair Black, and I don't get it. I don't understand. They, they booked him to perfection when he was in NXT, and uh, uh, one of the, the, the keys to the, to the success of that character it was that he never spoke. He was a silent killer. Heartless <laughs> bastard, the silent killer. And uh, they, they brought him to the main roster, What's the first thing that they do? He has like those weird promos uh, where he was like inside this room or something like that. Even the the tag team with Ricochet, they somehow made it work because of course both of them are amazing talents. But that's that's something off. I mean, when I see the two of them, I see like a, Ricochet is like a real life superhero uh, that can do incredible things. Is a like a, a baby face for life, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. And Alistair Black can be everything. He can be a tweener. It was, I think, it was a tweener when he was in NXT for a little and, while. Yeah, uh, then he yeah. got over, and the fans kind yeah. of made him a baby face. But um, yeah, so so it's. It was something that was really off, even in that tag team. And his single run has been nothing but a disaster, if you ask me. Disaster. Yeah. It's so sad because he is so talented. Like you said, he didn't talk in NXT, but when he did talk, it was short, it was to the point, and it was meaningful. Like after the match with Velveteen Dream. Oh, that was amazing. He doesn't say much, but everything he says is powerful. It has meaning. You know, when he was coming for Tommaso Ciampa or Johnny Gargano after Johnny screwed him out of the title, all of that stuff they did was fantastic. He was fantastic. And I was so, like, I had that worry because, you know, when they come up from NXT, Vince has to put his fingers Mm -hmm. on everyone. He can't just let them be who they are. He's got to mold them (laughs) into his image. And I'm like, I don't like what his image is going to be for Aleister Black. And like you said, it was him sitting in a dark room, not doing any of the stuff that got him to the dance, doing – the exact opposite sitting in a dark room cutting long promos begging people to pick a fight with him and no yeah. one showing up to do show do so week after week after week and then they threw him off a building and then he lost an eye too yeah yeah he? oh yeah no 
that whole he was uh Rey Mysterio was his mentor thing was probably the worst thing I've ever seen. But oh, yeah. um Seamus was on Miz TV, and I really yeah. thought because the Miz does what the Miz does. So the Miz brings people mm-hmm. on and then he tries to sow seeds of dissension between friends, tag team partners, allies. Mm-hmm. And this is what he's doing here. He's he's bringing up how Sheamus's career isn't what it used to be. How Drew doesn't have the same love for Sheamus that Sheamus has for Drew. You know, Sheamus, you brought him the trunk with the kilt and the sword. Where's your sword? Where where's your you know your history and your legacy? And why isn't Drew with you the way you are with him? And Sheamus said, "Listen, man, your career is a joke." Punches him in the mouth. Not having it. I, I'm I'm conflicted because outside of being with Drew McIntyre, mm-hmm. Sheamus is clearly a heel. Yeah. When he is with Drew McIntyre, he's pretty much a baby face. So I really did think that leading into our main event tonight, where Drew and Sheamus took on Miz and Morrison, this was going to be the turning point where Sheamus attacks Drew. And it might come later. That might yeah. be what they're building towards is – Sheamus versus Drew. I think that's a slow slow building. But I was also kind of for the Drew McIntyre-Sheamus team for a little bit. Like, I really enjoyed their interactions backstage. So I don't really know if I want to see them feud before I really get them together now that Drew's champion. Can can I just say my little take on this the old sword and kilt? (laughs) When I saw that, I... I couldn't believe it. Uh, that that is as phony <laughs> as <laughs> that's as phony and uh, stereotypical <laughs> as they could go. Probably the only thing worse than that would would have been having Drew like with uh, his paint half half uh, his face half painted blue like Braveheart, mm-hmm. like Mel Gibson in Braveheart. <laughs> when I saw that, I, I was like, "Oh fuck!" I mean, because. Uh, you know, uh, from Europe, we see certain things in, in a different way uh, than than what you normally do in the U.S. Correct. Uh, especially, especially when it comes to history, because we're such different countries. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, uh, the U.S. has like uh, 200 plus years of history. Italy, for instance, has 2,000 plus years of history. So that's not re- really the same. And... Uh, Whenever, whenever we see this cultural stuff, like a kilt, like wearing a, a kilt mm-hmm. applied, it always seems a stereotype. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's always like watching The Simpsons with a, a poo, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like it's, uh, it, it's uh, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but uh, I, I don't think that many people in Europe feel that as a compliment. Right. Or as a as a tribute to like in this case is Scottish heritage, you know, that feels really cheap to me. It's like he's Scottish. Okay, put a kilt on him, like <laughs> like that. Like uh, I, I don't know uh, if you have uh, an, an Italian wrestler, uh, have him eat some pasta and pizza. I don't know, <laughs> you know, this, this kind of stuff. It's really a stereotype. And uh, when I saw that that kilt, I said, "Fucking hell!" <laughs> that was my reaction. But that, that that's not a part of what you asked. Um, I think that the old thing with Sheamus, it's a it's a slow build, and uh, they I think they're probably saving this for the Rumble. 
and I'm afraid, uh, I'm afraid that uh, Sheamus will take the WWE Championship in one way or another. Uh, he either, he either uh, can be himself the new champion and lead towards a WrestleMania, rema- a WrestleMania rematch for the championship, or can be the factor in, in making Drew McIntyre lose the championship so that the two will have a revenge clash at WrestleMania. Well, that's, not, that's, that's where I feel this is going, which is literally not what I want. Let's not forget that The Miz still has that Money in the Bank contract. Yes, and pretty much. And he is very much part of this story as well. So, Pretty much. Um, I, I appreciate you coming on and talking about that because we talk about similar things uh, mm-hmm. often on the podcast. Um, we talk about the, uh, as you said, stereotyping that WWE often does with both Asian wrestlers and black wrestlers and so on yeah. and so forth. Um, but we don't really get to know how people in Europe view some of the Europe stereotyping that they do with these. Yeah. So having you on here is really cool to hear that because, as you Thank said, you. Um, especially here in America, we teach our own version of history that makes us feel the best about what's happened in the past and what makes <laughs> yeah. us feel happy. It's not necessarily the truth all of the time or the yeah. realistic output. It's what we enjoy hearing or what we enjoy telling ourselves. So having someone from over there let us know <laughs> that, hey – well, I thought, oh, that's really cool. He's got a giant sword <laughs> and all that stuff. It may be offensive to some people from Scotland who are looking at it as they're kind of being made fun of. And it's a yeah. different take that we don't get over here. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that can be offensive, like, to everybody. I didn't look at it as an offensive thing. I, 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 I thought of it as a cheap, just a cheap choice, you Yeah. Know? It's kind of like when they put, you know, uh, crime time together and they were thugs and chains who danced or yeah. the street profits with their solo cups, yeah. things like that. <laughs> yeah. um, how do you feel about now? Uh, Lana, Nala, this is the Lion King. Ooh. Um, I grew respecting Lana a lot lately. The latest, uh, I didn't see the documentary that they did on her. I didn't see it. It's really good. But uh, yeah, I can, I can imagine that. Uh, but uh, I, I've read enough stuff about uh, about the bullying issues that she had in her personal life because of because of her professional life. Yeah. So um, she uh, she grew on me really, even though she's not the most polished uh, wrestler wrestler in the ring. Uh, I actually don't care about that. I, I think that she, uh, she, she is quite good at telling this story that she is telling at the moment. Uh, the, prob- the problem I see with that storyline, it's uh, how, it, it has, uh, how she has been portrayed. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, she, uh, as I said, she is good with the material she was given. But, uh, and this is not a take on mine. It's something that I heard from... from um, Brian Zane, Brian Zane, a YouTuber, wrestling YouTuber. I don't know if, if, you, if you're familiar with. Uh, he said that uh, uh, although it is clever how she was portrayed at uh, Survivor Series, that she was the sole survivor, the way how we got there doesn't paint her as a hero. Right. If you think about it, she just stood still doing nothing. And because of other people's dumbness, she was able to be the sole survivor 
and that's that's kind of true uh, it's difficult to see her i mean you you can empathize with her because she's been uh, manhandled by <laughs> by um Nia Jax but week after week after week but it's i mean you empathize because because of that because you you say oh poor girl but you don't see her as a as a model as a role model as someone that you want to be as the the hero of the situation i agree um so i was listening to kenny from a kenny for your thoughts mm -hmm. yesterday i was in his yep. chat while he was live doing his podcast he actually brought up that he takes this at face value that it, it's kind of a uh, a comedy character that lana's playing she is mm -hmm. a bit of a joke and that he would actually like to see this streak with her continue where she just lucked into the win yeah. at survivor series because of the way they treated her mm -hmm. now here she's teaming with oscar they defeat Nia and Shayna. She pins Shayna Baszler after Shayna Baszler is talking shit to Nia about how embarrassing it is to get pinned by Lana. And yeah. now they have a title match at TLC for the tag titles, Asuka and Lana. He wants to see them luck into the tag team titles. He said he would love if at the Royal Rumble, shout mm -hmm. out to Kenny, number 28 <laughs> and 29 eliminate each other. And then Lana comes out at 30 and default wins the Royal Rumble because the, there are no competitors left. <laughs> so just by being there, she is now the winner of the Royal Rumble because she came out and there's no one left to beat. That would be a genius, a genius finish to the Royal Rumble and something that has never been done before. Yeah. Uh, uh, it will take away a lot of the drama because we, we, when we are normally used to see that you have like two parts of the Rumble. The one where everybody is counting down and doing... Uh, Doing the waiting for who comes out, and the second part where they actually uh, tell a story for the victory. Right. So we will, with that scenario, we will be deprived of the second part. But still, it's as I think it, it will be as uh, kind of a smart booking decision. But yet another one that um, where Alana is not the hero. Correct. And it'll make a lot of people on Twitter angry. A lot of angry oh, on yeah. Twitter. They get angry for every, oh, any reason. So, so. Um, yeah. We also had the New Day. Uh, they're out yes. here. They congratulate Xavier Woods on becoming a host on G4. They're yep. talking about the G4 reunion and how the Hurt Business is repeatedly lost to them. Mm -hmm. uh, Hurt Business comes out and uh, when they show up, Xavier Woods, you can hear him kind of like off mic go, where are all the other teams? Like, where is everyone else? Which popped me. I love that. Um, but MBB says, listen, from his tally, they're yeah. two and two. They're dead even right now. And the Hurt Business is going to beat the New Day for the titles. And then Cedric buries Shelton Benjamin in a promo before he defeats Xavier Woods. So now he's buried his tag team partner in a promo. Yeah. He gets a singles win over Xavier Woods, getting them that next title shot. And then as MVP and Shelton are in the ring wanting to celebrate, he just takes off on his own. That's, that was an unexpected. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. he's the last person to join the he's group. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was about to say that. He was the last person to join that. And uh, that's, that's also something that I don't want to see, actually, because... Uh, um, the Hurt Business 
which started off as a joke or as a like a job squad or, or this kind of stuff it has become a really strong stable really strong they they rarely lose if they lose they lose via shenanigans or disqualification or this kind of stuff so uh i don't want to see them fall apart so quickly probably like two or three months after the formation of, of the stable <laughs> in its current form at least i don't want to see that well on the bright side should cedric leave you still have bobby and shelton and mvp and they can always bring someone in to fill that role of cedric if you leave so it dev it wouldn't necessarily disband the hurt business but mm-hmm. i will say shelton and cedric have been a very entertaining tag team i was definitely yes. looking forward to seeing more of the new day versus that version of the hurt business hoping that now that we've got our new day versus street profits match maybe we put the tag team titles on the hurt business because yes again as you said bobby lashley's u.s champ you know they've had the 24 7 title but this has become a strong faction and they deserve some championship gold, some, you know, acclaim to what yeah. they've really done with this faction where they've taken it. So. Yeah. And they are kind of like an evolution 2.0. If you really look at it, because we have a MVP, which is your Ric Flair. You can say the, mm-hmm. the veteran who can guide the younger people. You have the muscle, which is, Clearly, uh, Bobby, Bobby Lashley. Mm-hmm. You have uh, the young prospect in Cedric Alexander and the reliable person in Shelton Benjamin who can do also amazing things, athletically speaking. Mm-hmm. So you have, uh, if you want to put, you have uh, objectively three very good options of people to push. Oh, which yeah. is everybody outside except uh, MVP uh, if, if, if you push Bobby Cedric or Shelton even even for a mid card title that makes sense they, they they are now strong in my opinion so yeah seeing them disbanding will be will be bad they really need to get Bobby Lashley in that heavyweight title picture soon and if, within the next year they need to get that belt on him uh, yeah it, it has been way too long that he has gone without being champion and yeah. uh, they definitely need to do that. We're back to Matt Riddle. Now he's yeah. backstage <laughs> with AJ Styles. They have an awkward exchange where, mm-hmm. you know, we find out that basically Riddle and uh, AJ's bodyguard Jordan are friends and mm-hmm. they know stuff about each other. Like he knows that Skipper is the name of AJ's bunny, which is why, or sorry, Skipper is the name of Riddle's bunny, which is why Riddle, named aj skipper not because he was a captain but because he reminded him of his rabbit um, yeah <laughs> then we get that triple threat match which was a damn good triple threat match no i knew matt riddle was there to take the pin and i was perfectly oh, yeah. fine with that i still maintain that we need to get some wins under keith lee's belt like legitimate singles wins not dq finishes yeah not not bullshit. what they've been doing with him but uh i also i thought it was pretty clear going forward that AJ was going to be the guy to win this match. And AJ did. Yeah. Yeah. So AJ versus Drew McIntyre TLC, I'm for it. It's going to be a damn good match. It'll be a Yeah, yeah I can't wait for it. Um, this also led us to Miz and Morrison backstage trying to recruit AJ Styles to help them cash in. <laughs> uh, they bring him a pie. And <laughs> so first off, 
AJ's bodyguard Jordan says that's not a pie, that's a cupcake because he's so big to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but AJ agrees, and when the Miz and Morrison are like, "What? Why? Why are you just agreeing so easily?" <laughs> I don't know why he would say it out loud, but AJ's like, "Dude, I'd much rather beat you for the title than try and beat Drew McIntyre," which is very <laughs> true. Like, if I had to choose between fighting the Miz and Drew, I'm taking the Miz all day. I'm not going to tell the Miz that. Yeah. I don't want him to know that, but no, 100%. Um, then we got MVP and Riddle. Um, MVP thinks Riddle's dumb and ridiculous, and I agree. Um, <laughs> Lashley attacks Riddle here, um, who stands up to MVP because MVP put his hands on him. He, you know, he gave yeah. him a little muff. He shoved him a little bit. Riddle gets up in his face, and out of nowhere comes Bobby Lashley. So while I thought and I hope we were going to get Keith Lee and Bobby Lashley. Maybe we're going to transition into either a triple threat, Keith Lee, Riddle, and Bobby Lashley, yeah. or just a Bobby Lashley-Riddle feud here. So they're really pushing Matt Riddle. And I yeah. I don't know why, but they are. I, th- I think Matt Riddle at the moment is like in the same position that uh, Kane has been for so long in his career. So he, I feel like he is the jobber to the stars. Okay. Which means he's kind of upper on the card mm-hmm. but still not at that level probably even because of all the allegations that we know he has in his personal life it's something that probably they don't want to push him uh, to the moon because of that because i i have the feeling that otherwise they would have already done so and a lot of people don't seem to like him backstage don't want to work with him you've heard the rumors about seth rollins refusing to work with them because of yeah things that riddle's wife said about becky and so on and yeah, so yeah. forth so there's there's a lot of pushback for him. Um, main event, Drew puts himself over, like all good <laughs> champions do. Uh, we got Drew and Sheamus versus Miz and Morrison. It ends in DQ because yeah. of AJ Styles. Uh, the Miz tries to cash in again. So this is where they're missing with me. Every time the Miz tries to cash in, the ref takes so long to make the <laughs> cash in. The ref almost like feels like he's refusing to actually cash in the title for the Miz. So then the Miz never actually cashes in and he retains it, but it doesn't work for me. However, what did work for me was when Drew cleans house and gets to Mm -hmm. AJ, AJ backflips out of the ring, lands on his bodyguard's shoulder, and then he's talking shit to Drew as he's being carried out like a child (laughs) on this man's shoulder. That was hilarious. Oh, it was fantastic. And you, you, you know why? You know what? Um, I feel that uh, AJ Styles has uh, uh, this peculiarity that not so many wrestlers have this day. He can be, well, of course, he's an, an amazing wrestler. He can be a, a badass, but he can also be like a comedy wrestler. Mm-hmm. You know, if you remember like uh, Kurt Angle, circa 2000, 2001, when he did all the comedy skits, but he's a Olympic gold medalist. He can oh, yeah. fuck you up in more ways that you can count. Mm-hmm. So you know that he's a badass, but you he can also he could also do comedy. I feel that AJ Styles is one of the few wrestlers in WWE at the moment who who are able to do both without um, being like his reputation be tar- being tarnished at all. Don't you think? Oh yeah, no. Especially at this point, with everything he's done and the legacy that he's created, the name he's created for himself, like you said, he yeah. can basically do anything, and he's still going to be AJ Styles. He's still a first yeah. ballot Hall of Famer for the WWE. He, you know, oh, yeah. 
it doesn't matter where he's at on the card or what he's doing. He is always going to be AJ Styles. And when he gets in between those ropes, he's going to be AJ Styles. And that was the thing with Kurt Angle. He could do the sexy Kurt. He could do the milk truck. He could do the cowboy hat. He could play, you know, but what he got in the ring, he's still fucking Kurt Angle. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's uh, that's a secret. I got to ask you, Frank, Monday Night Raw, spit or swallow? Uh, I think that this week is swallow. Swallowing Raw this week. Yeah. You know what? Actually, after going back over with you, I, I think I'm with you. Like, there's nothing really here outside of my own personal biases that I didn't yeah. like. Um, <laughs> so it, w- it was an entertaining show. I'm going to go with you and swallow. Um, are we going to NXT next? You said chronologically? Yeah. Yeah. That's All it. Right. I, feel, I feel like that we have to, to skim through a little bit because – because of what awaits for us with AEW, which is uh, a lot of stuff that we should talk about, I think. But uh, oh yeah, yeah, we'll, that's it. We will. Um, so we we kick off NXT. Uh, we got Priest and Ruff defeating Legado del Fantasma. Um, very interesting here. Johnny Gargano's on commentary mm-hmm. during the match. We see Ghost Face in the crowd. Yeah. It distracts Priest a little bit. <laughs> then post match, there are more Ghost Face in the crowd yeah. behind Johnny Gargano. Priest basically took this match to ensure because he doesn't feel like Leon Ruff uh, was durable enough mm-hmm. and he wants to make sure he makes it to the title match. So he's basically kind of protecting his investment. I'm going to make sure that you survive yeah. long enough to get to war games so that I can beat you and take that title and yeah. I don't lose this match. Um, I really am curious as to what Johnny's doing with the, like, so I was worried that we were only going to get one ghost face when they showed us last week that that other ghost face is still around. I'm like, all right, cool. Because it clearly wasn't Indy Hartwell that helped Johnny Gargano at Halloween Mm -hmm. Havoc. And that was going to bother me. But now we've got two more. So I I want to know what's going on. Who are these people? Where did they come from? Like, (laughs) what's happening? And uh, did they all got COVID tested? Oh, (laughs) oh, we're going to talk about COVID testing. Uh, (laughs) That's uh, that's also an issue that yeah. even in kayfabe we, we have we have to think about. Well, I made uh, that joke because of the next. <coughs> unless you've got something more you want to say about this. No, no, uh, no, okay. no. The next segment is the undisputed era at a restaurant that sounds busy with no masks on, like three days before war games. Yeah, talking and chilling and having a good time, not social distancing whatsoever. So I made a joke and I'm like, man. They, re- they must really not care about this match. They're probably trying to get COVID because they're scared. And someone's like, someone, you know, they take everything you say on Twitter seriously. Nothing can be a joke. They're, oh, yeah, yeah. You can catch the flu so many different ways and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I was making a joke, man. I wasn't serious. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you know, they're going to test them and they'll be fine and they'll be at war games, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, no. COVID's out there and you can't be sitting down in a goddamn restaurant without a mask on three inches away from each other when it's that busy. Yeah. If you have um, restaurants open in your area, which is not the case here in Italy at the moment. Yeah, and uh, most of here in Chicago, most of the indoor dining is closed. It's takeout only. Okay. So, um, then we got an interview with Raquel Gonzalez. Basically said she's going to win and Shotzi's going to lose. Yeah. Which, fair enough. So that, so, so that we know that Shotzi's going to win. Yeah, exactly. Which is, yeah. well, we'll talk about it when we get there. That's our main event. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. We had Cameron Grimes defeat uh, Austin Gray. Then Grimes goes and brings out the strap. 
He is beating Gray with the strap. Gray falls out of the ring. Dexter Loomis, who I absolutely fucking love, yes. takes the strap off Gray. He puts it on himself, comes in. And I swear to God, I feel like Dexter Loomis is into some sick BDSM shit because he looked ready to be whipped. He looked willing to be whipped by the strap. He was all for it. Obviously, Cameron Grimes was not. Uh, yeah. he, he's not into bondage. He's not into that. <laughs> um, Dexter does get a good shot on him uh, after scaring Grimes and Grimes takes off. But uh, I'm all for the strap match. I'm all for everything they've done with Dexter. They've really they've gotten him over with me. This creepy serial killer. He's, I don't he's even, been. Uh, he's been. Sorry to interrupt. He's been probably the the best character in all of WWE at the moment. Okay. If I if I have to think like uh, from a character standpoint, I don't see anyone better than Dexter Loomis at the moment. So committed, so focused. You you truly believe he's a, he's a psychopath that mm-hmm. stalks people and wants to get whipped and whip people. You truly believe that. The only person I'd say NXT-wise that was as committed to the character would have been Velveteen Dream. Yeah. But because of that character, I feel like that amplified that negative light on him. Yeah. Because yeah. of the way the character was, everyone looked at him as if he was that character. And then those allegations came out which proved to be true but not necessarily illegal in the state he was in it was a whole thing neither here nor there um i feel like that character that he did made things so much worse for him Mm -hmm. but again until loomis that was some of the best character work that we got in nxt yeah yeah i agree but now really nxt or or main roster or if you don't, if you don't want to call it main roster, like side roster, uh, yeah, I, I don't see any other character. You know, I mean, the Undertaker just retired, so 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 we cannot say Undertaker. Uh, Bray and Alexa. Yeah. Bray, yeah, you're right, totally. You got me there, Bray and Alexa. Yep. But it's those characters, and those are my favorite characters. Like I'm Undertaker. Obviously, if you can't tell from my shrine behind me. <laughs> is my favorite wrestler of all time. Um, yeah. Love The Undertaker. I'm a big horror movie fan. So those characters, The Fiend, The Undertakers, The Canes, now Dexter yeah. Loomis doing his version, um, the Demon Finn Balor, all of Aleister Black, those are, those mm-hmm. are my favorite characters. Those are the ones I really get into. So uh, really glad that they're doing that with them. Um, we got Jake Atlas getting a win over Tony Nese, which is great for Jake Atlas, but also like, Tony Nese is the jobber to everyone. So, like, yeah. when was the last time outside of being Cruiserweight Champion, Nice has done anything? And also, he's been presented like former Cruiserweight Champion, but uh, he didn't have an entrance. You know, yeah. when you don't get your TV entrance, that's never a good sign. No, it's not. Uh, we do get a promo from Atlas after this. He says that his whole life, he has taken three steps back to take one giant leap forward. Basically... This leap forward and getting the win over a former cruiserweight champion that they tried to hype him up as uh, is going to turn things around. And it looks like he's still in the hunt to take out uh, Escobar and get that mm-hmm. cruiserweight title. That's where his focus is. So, Can I say I'm, I'm bored to death by Jake Atlas? Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know why. It, it really doesn't connect with me. 
uh, I may be a cynical bastard here, but I think that his recent semi-push, I would say, has been more of a PR move than uh, than an actual intention of of of, uh, of uh, pushing him. Okay. Because I, I see that, uh, I mean, um, Escobar has had a, a pretty strong run as a cruiserweight champion so far, and uh, he had his chances to get to the title. I think like two or three shots he had, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, then he fell back on the card, but uh, um, you know, uh, because that can appeal to, and it's it's not in any way uh, a slander, <laughs> like, but can appeal uh, because of his uh, LGBTQ um, being a part of the LGBTQ community. Sorry, right. Uh, that can be for WWE, especially in a in an era where, as you said, you have Velveteen Dream, Matt Riddle. You know, many people that uh, they have issues with. That can be a, a a way to counterbalance it, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying that, but it, it, it's something. I don't know. I feel like this push is a kind of a kind of forced because of that. I, I don't. I don't. I don't see it as a natural one. That's what I want to say. Probably, I it's not organic. It's not organic the way they 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 brought up this push. I think the issue is they haven't really told us who Jake Atlas is. They're pushing a guy, yeah. but they haven't given him a character to get behind. We don't know yes. who he is. I will say that I am actually proud of WWE for not making him the stereotypical gay character, totally. sending him out in rainbow trunks and making him effeminate and all of this. They had knowing that he is part of the LGBTQ community, they haven't really pushed that hard yeah. out in the forefront, made it his entire being. So I will give them credit for that. Um, but no, I definitely think he is struggling because we don't know who he is. So hopefully this mm -hmm. promo and going forward, we get a more sense of who Jake Atlas is because his in-ring yeah. stuff, the stuff he can do in-ring, that cartwheel DVD yeah, he's, and shit. He's amazing. Fantastic. Yeah, he is, he's an amazing wrestler. And uh, yeah, as you said, they, I feel like they, did, they didn't give us the, the, uh, the right reason to get behind him. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You, fr you phrase it correctly. And uh, maybe, maybe we just have to wait, just, just see how, how things develop. Yep. Let him flesh out that character. Um, yep. Then we got a long-winded promo from Pat McAfee again, mm -hmm. which at this point, like, I just want to see Pat McAfee get his ass beat. So it's doing its job. Like, every time he comes <laughs> yeah. out, I'm like, oh, fuck, this guy again. I got to listen to him talk for 15 fucking minutes. I don't know what he's saying he's babbling on. Will someone please just punch this guy in the mouth? So they're, get, they're doing it. Like, he's got heat with me. I was very, I never liked Pat McAfee personally, yeah. seeing him on his shows and interviews and stuff. He seemed like a cocky bastard. Then he showed up and did that match with Adam Cole. And I was like, all right. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'll give the guy a little credit. He can go like he impressed me. But now they brought me back to man. Fuck this guy. Can Adam Cole just <laughs> kick him in the mouth and shut him up? Like, <laughs> I uh, I have no idea who Pat McAfee is and what he did prior to his appearance to to in NXT because uh, I, I mean uh, I have no idea about football mm -hmm. American football uh, not only the 
Italian version <laughs> of, of what you call soccer. Um, uh, so I, I really, I really had no idea who he was. But yeah, as you said, after the Adam Cole match, uh, was like, well, the guy can surely can talk, and he apparently can wrestle too. So yeah, props to him for doing a, a great heel job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then shout out to the Get Your Wrestling podcast. Uh, they gave me a shout out. I jokingly had asked uh, that because they're Filipino, they mm-hmm. explained to me this Chinese storyline that WWE is telling because <laughs> WWE looks at all Asians the same and, it, you know, they don't. Yeah. So we got Zaya and Boa. Uh, they're in this warehouse. They're being tortured. They're being dunked underwater and whipped. And it's either torture or some very intense training. I haven't decided yet. Like, <laughs> I've seen this in a porno. I've seen this in a horror movie, and I'm not sure what we're getting, what kind of montage this was. Like, there's some weird shit out on the internet, just so you know. Um, yeah. But it does look like Kaiko from The Grudge is the woman that they are uh, being either tortured or trained by. Um, mm-hmm. You just saw the hair with the eye. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm interested. I don't. I don't know what this is, but I'm interested. I want to know who it is. You know, they brought up it could be Mako Satamora. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, can, can very well be. Yeah. Uh, they also mentioned that uh, it could be a tie into Big Trouble in Little China, and Lopan <laughs> could be the main villain behind all this, which I loved. Um, <laughs> they have a lot of options. I'm very curious as to see who this woman in charges and what going forward they're going to do with Zia Lee and Boa but all the cinematic shit it, it's hooked me it's got me interested so it can be it can be someone from the Cobra Kai dojo it could be <laughs> it could be um, no uh, in all seriousness uh, uh, I like this weird shit I like it I like it a lot uh, and uh, it's so Lucha Underground I don't know if you if you follow it back then but it, it has the same vibe. It's so Lucha Underground. I love it. Absolutely fantastic. I didn't appreciate Lucha Underground when it was on. I feel like I would appreciate it more now if I went back and watched it. Because when I watched mm-hmm. it, I was like, so the, it, it's wrestling, but it's a TV. Like, It's a, yeah, wrestling, but a, a Tarantino movie. And uh, <laughs> yeah, know. no, it, yeah. I, I, I didn't appreciate it when it was on. Now I feel like if I went back and watched it, I would appreciate it more. Um, Imperium versus mm-hmm. the Grizzled Young Veterans, which is a terrible fucking name. So oh, yeah. I believe it was supposed to be Everize in this match, and they were taken out. They felt disrespected, so Everize actually came out and did something. They took out both Imperium and the Grizzled Young Veterans. Cause a DQ, take out both teams. Yeah. They got sick of being jobbers. They said, fuck it. <laughs> Good for Ever Rise. Ever full, I would say, more yeah. than Ever Rise. Or Never uh, Rise. Never Rise. Yeah, that's even better. Uh, yeah. Um, I actually got the chance to see uh, Zach Gibson from the Grizzly Young Vets in, in England before, before he signed with the WWE. And uh, I don't see him as a, as a 
tag team guy in general. I, I've always struggled with this tag team because he's more of a solo performer. Mm-hmm. And much of his act is based uh, on the fact that, uh, that he is uh, Liverpool's number one. So it's even really local, really something that, that doesn't translate with many audience, audiences. Yeah. Not even with me, like I'm Italian. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't change anything if it's from Liverpool, London, or I don't know, Tokyo. <laughs> and, uh, so, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of str- struggle with them as a tag team. I love Imperium. Absolutely love them. Uh, both the guys that are on NXT and the ones on NXT UK. Uh, but I feel that this uh, the segment did no favors to anyone, basically. No, because like we said, it's two jobbers coming out and beating two established tag teams. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I really thought Zach Gibson was going to be the one to take out Pete Dunne after he won that tournament, mm-hmm. became the second winner of the NXT UK tournament. Yes. Um, I was like, okay, this is their next guy. <laughs> then he didn't. Then he put they put him in the tag team. I will say their tag team finisher is awesome. I love their finisher. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can't really be Liverpool's number one in a team with someone else. Doesn't yeah. make sense. And like I said, I hate the name. They, <laughs> I hate the name. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa wants to teach Thatcher a lesson. He doesn't like the way he's been treating his students. Unfortunately. Thatcher has a student that seems to like the training and attacks Ciampa while Ciampa's attacking Thatcher. Helps mm-hmm. Thatcher get one over on Ciampa. We're going to get Ciampa yeah. versus Thatcher at War Games. Um, I always thought this was kind of weird because Thatcher, of all people, does not seem like the person that is talking about when he's talking about the problems with NXT. Yeah. So I'm all for it. I'm sure it'll be a good match. Yeah, me too. I enjoy Champa, what he does. I, I I love him, but I think that he has lost a little bit of his aura in NXT. <sighs> a little bit. Mm. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, that's bad. But yeah, the, uh, again, I look forward to this match, but uh, I don't think that will help particularly the both of them. Whoever wins it, I agree. Um. Main event time. Mm-hmm. Shotzi Blackheart. In as far as I can remember, and I haven't fact-checked this, so I don't know, wins the War Games Advantage match, and this may be the first time yes. a babyface team has won the War Games Advantage match, which is funny because just last week I said, for us <laughs> to appreciate the War Games Advantage, you have to let a babyface team win every now and then otherwise it's a foregone conclusion here we are this week Shotzi's team wins they are the babyface team um and EO joins the team so now it is Candice Giant Gonzalez Queen Kai and Tony Storm (laughs) versus Shotzi Blackheart Ember Moon Rhea Ripley and EO Shirai and that those are two two great teams yeah the babyface team will slaughter the other one if you ask me I see, um, I see a babyface victory here. I agree. Um, I think that they're actually fairly well matched outside of EO. They don't have the former women's champion, unless, mm-hmm. unless you count Tony Storm, because she is a former NXT women's yeah. champion. 
that matches up with EO. I feel like Ember and Tony match up fairly well. Obviously, Giant Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley. Then you can either put Dakota Kai against Tony or uh, Shotzi Blackheart or Candice LeRae. Yeah. So EO is really the one person that stands above everyone else on the other team that doesn't really have a matchup. Yeah. So if we if we had gotten maybe brought Kaylee Ray back like they did last year, we could have mm-hmm. that that counterbalance. But uh, no, I, I'm stoked for it. The Tony Storm heel turn just yeah, that was out amazing. Nowhere. So never saw that coming. She's so thick. Um, NXT spit or swallow? Oh, spit. Really? Mm, yeah. I f- I feel like. They knew that they were going against a really strong AEW episode uh, because because of the world title match. So I think that they played safe many occasions, just just had to keep their uh, the storylines going because of course there is a pay per view this weekend. But because of it, they played it safe. I mean, it wasn't a bad episode per se, but. Um, not something that uh, that I would watch again. I will agree. Compared to the show on the other channel, oh yeah, nothing. But I personally yeah. cannot spit when Shotzi wins. So Shotzi oh, won. Okay, I swallow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, all right, let's get into SmackDown. So basically, we've got an interview with Roman Reigns kicking off the show, uh, mm-hmm. and Roman is just berating Kayla Braxton. Like she asks yeah. a question. He's like, that's a stupid question. We gave you a shot. You're out here. And first question, right off the bat, stupid. He's refusing to answer. So then she asks a question about Jay. Same thing. He's like, really? Like, Paul went to bat for you. You guys do talking smack. He brought you on here. And, again, second question, stupid. Paul, take <laughs> over. I'm not, I'm not doing this. Paul Heyman gets on the mic, puts over Jay Uso for everything he's done, the, the increase in ratings, being in the main event, doing all of these great things he's done. And then Kevin Owens comes out. Mm-hmm. Kevin Owens wants a match at TLC. He's like, bring out the tables, the ladders, the chairs. We can do this. Or we can fight right now. And, of course, heel yeah. Roman is like, nah, you know what? We don't fight when you want to. We fight when I want to. And there's a lady present. So mm-hmm. have, be a grown-up. Have some respect. And then as he's walking away, KO says, I'll grow up when you grow some balls and calls Roman a <laughs> bitch. Everything that they're doing with Roman is pure gold. It's, it's the best booking I've seen WWE do since probably, I don't know, 2005 or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's really, really uh, the best and most consistent consistent booking as well. Uh, and they are also elevating Kevin Owens, which is a star in the real sense of the word, but as Got a little, a little bit lost in the shuffle mm-hmm. from here and there, you know, and uh, and now is uh, uh, portrayed as a credible contender. I think Roman will win, of course, but they did a good job in uh, really elevating him to to a main event status. I agree, one hundred percent. Ko feels like he belongs there. He's one of the better people they have on the main roster when it comes to cutting promos. Oh yeah, um, he's got the stunner as a finisher, so that you know that's something credible he can hit anywhere, out of nowhere, at any time. Um, I'm all for this. I'm excited for their match. Then we go from, as you said, really mm-hmm. good consistent booking 
Yep. Bailey versus Natalia. And Natalia defeats your former women's champion. Now, yes, Bianca is <laughs> out there, and that is a factor, but Natalia beats Bailey. Yeah, that's unexpected, to say the least. I'm not I'm not uh, one of the biggest Bailey fans, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I am uh, in the extreme minority of people who didn't enjoy her run as champion, but I uh, I also say that it is my personal opinion and uh, I recognize the value of what she has done. So basically, uh, and Natalia, uh, she's a terrific wrestler. I, I like her a lot, but uh, yeah, <laughs> at least in my opinion, I like her a lot, but she has never been portrayed uh, as a dominant figure, like never in his almost 15 years career in WWE. So yeah, that's that was a weird booking choice. Natalia, for me, mm -hmm. relies far too heavily on the heart legacy. Yes. When she is technically a heart, but she's not the daughter of Bret Hart or Owen yeah. Hart. She's the daughter of Jim Neidhart. She relies on... And her mother is a heart. Her mother, you know, so I'm not taking that away from her. She is a heart. Her mother is a heart, but yeah. she's not the daughter of Bret Hart, but she uses a variation of Bret Hart's music. She uses mm -hmm. Bret Hart's finisher. She's Jim the Anvil Neidhart's daughter. Yes. She portrays herself more as a relative of Bret than she does her father. Mm -hmm. Not to be disrespectful because yeah. Jim passed away, but that's the way WWE uses her. And that's not necessarily how I see her. Um, and because of that, I think it hurts her. They've made her too much of a female knockoff of Brett, and mm -hmm. she isn't as good in the ring as Brett was. She's she's yeah. good. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say she's bad. I would never say she's one of the best. I wouldn't say she's the boat. I <laughs> honestly find most of her matches kind of boring. I see the mm -hmm. value in her, but yeah. she doesn't entertain me. Uh, in her moveset choices and the things she does. And again, I feel like she relies way too heavy on that heart name instead of like Charlotte. When Charlotte yeah. came out, she did the figure four, but she did her version of the figure four with the figure eight. And before that, she wasn't even using that. She was using the natural selection as a finisher. She didn't yeah, even right. use her dad's finisher. Now she has kind of clung on to the robe and the music and so on and so forth. But also that was after she had kind of, established who she was mm -hmm. and then added those things onto who she is as yeah. opposed to relying so heavy on it like i feel natalia does is she is she is is she still introduced as uh, charlotte flair i don't know it's been a while or or she reverted back to charlotte because in nxt she was just just charlotte right when she debuted on the main roster she became charlotte flair but I think that now she's just Charlotte again. That could be. I don't know. Well, anyway. No, WWE yeah, yeah, yeah like, you're right. They don't like last names. So yeah, yeah. Um, maybe you can help me out with this. I, I feel like I missed something. So we have this beautiful tribute for Pat Patterson. Mm -hmm. Again, rest in peace, Pat Patterson. Um, and then they have the original IC title out there. Yes. As if it is a trophy for this match. Yeah, that, that looked like... 
So, but it was a it was a six man tag team match. We have all former Intercontinental champions here, in the team of Daniel Bryan, Biggie, and Rey Mysterio. Yes. And then you have on the other side, Sami Zayn, Dolph Ziggler, and Shinsuke Nakamura. Yes. Did they say like the winning team was going to compete in a triple threat match, and the winner was going to get the belt? Why the belt was out there on the pedal? Like I thought that this was going to be a six-man match, not a tag team match at first, and the winner mm-hmm. was going to get that IC title and be able to take that home. Like, I, I was very confused as to the presentation of the belt here and why it was a six-man tag match because obviously not all three guys can hold that belt or take that belt, you know? Yeah, and uh, I got through it uh, through the YouTube highlights, so I had even less information than what you had. Okay. And so it was like, well, yeah, I was confused uh, for for what for what I was able to see. That was more of an house show match, you yeah. know. Uh, usually, when they close uh, or, or a dark match, up, even after even after a Raw or SmackDown, when when they close uh, uh, the, the show, they want to do to send the crowd home happy. So they have like uh, everybody stunned this guy, <laughs> or, or and that was. Uh, the case of what I, I sensed out of this match, especially in the end when uh, Dolph Ziggler was being extra goofy about his selling of uh, of the finishers, they had to put over Biggie. That was pretty clear to me because, because they new are... music from Wale. The rapper yes. Wale has done his yep. new music. Biggie got new music, so shout yeah, out to Biggie. and uh, because they are, they clearly want to to build him as a main event star. Which, which I think he is. Oh, absolutely. Or, or can be. Um, yeah. If they don't somehow book The Rock versus Roman Reigns for WrestleMania, I feel like the next best option is to get Biggie into that title picture against Roman Reigns. Yes, I agree. Um, then I, I am going to give them all the credit in the world because <laughs> the way Carmella has been portrayed recently does not make her feel like a legitimate contender for Sasha's title. But this sit-down that she had with Sasha, where she says, Sasha, you're just jealous. I came into wrestling on a whim. This is something you want to do your whole life. And I've mm-hmm. achieved more success than you. I've, I was SmackDown Women's Champion longer than you were champion in all of your combined reigns. <laughs> I've done this. I've done that. As Sasha's trying to discount her and saying, well, you had James Ellsworth and you had R-Truth and I thought she was going to bring up Corey Graves, but she didn't, you know. Um, but basically, Carmella's, you know, hey, this is who I am. This is what I've done. This is where I've been, and I deserve to be here. And she she makes some really great points. And then Sasha's just trying to say, you're not really in my league as an in-ring performer. As, as uh, You're not in my league as uh, Snoop Dogg Cousins. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I... I don't know uh, what what you say. What, what you say about it makes sense, but that was one of the most fake dialogues ever written and performed. That was a terrible promo on both sides. Terrible in a very bad way, of course. Uh, that completely took me off of it. Uh, it was too fake. Uh, when they say WWE is too scripted, that show them this clip. Because that, that was exactly. a really unnatural dialogue between two persons. Uh, that took me out of it. Uh, I don't care. Uh, 
to me, Sasha has always been the weak link of the four women, four horse women, sorry. Yep. Um, and uh, I see nothing, nothing that uh, made me like her even more. Pretty much uh, what you said before about Jeff Hardy can be applied here. Her, her sort of her gimmick is that she does this crazy stance, this dope suicida that she doesn't know how to do when she wrecks like a, an accordion on the floor risking to break her spine pretty much every time that she does that. Okay. I don't know. I, I don't want to see that in my in my wrestling show. Okay. I, I feel you. I, I personally do enjoy Sasha. I like the gimmick. Um, I I think as far as in-ring goes, like, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I love Becky Lynch Yep. as a character. Yep. In-ring, she's much more of a brawler than she is the, the wrestler. So you've got Charlotte, yeah. that's the technical wrestler. You got Correct. Becky, that's the brawler. Sasha kind of mixes that technical and high flying style a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Bailey. Um, so I, most of the big matches she does, like what she did at Hell in a Cell with Bailey, what she did last year at Hell in a Cell with Becky, I think she puts on good matches. So I personally like Sasha, but I respect your opinion on it. And I, <laughs> I see where you're coming from. Um, where are we at? Oh, yeah. So Baron Corbin dug mm-hmm. deep into the WWE roster, found those two <laughs> members of Forgotten Sons that we all forgot about. Uh, Which non- has been really forgotten. The non-two racist members of Forgotten yeah. Sons. <laughs> exactly. uh, brought them out. They did mention on commentary that Buddy Murphy and Blake used to be NXT Tag Team Champions briefly. I'm mm-hmm. going to need more of that in this story as to why Blake is siding with Corbin. Mm-hmm to flush it out but again it's the murph stereos as i like to call them they lose to baron corbin this time thanks to help from cutler and blake attacking ray and dominic causing a distraction murphy comes after them gets caught with the end of days and the pin um i just i don't understand why ray and dominic need to escort this guy yeah. out to the ring he is a grown man yeah that makes no sense. Why are you guys like Triple H had a match and DX would come down, but not every time, not every <laughs> match. And he was champion. He was leading the faction. Buddy Murphy is not the leader of this group. I'd yeah. have to say Rey Mysterio is. Why are they coming down? And you've got three people at ringside for all of his matches. Now I appreciate them bringing in Cutler and Blake to kind of even the odds a little bit. I'm curious mm-hmm. to see if they're going to get a female to offset Aaliyah in this. Yeah. But I just, they've really run my patience out with Buddy Murphy and the Mysterios at this point. And there are rumors that they're going to do a wedding. No. Don't do that. Don't fucking do that. I don't like wrestling weddings in general, especially if you clearly said in storyline that uh, basically those two just started dating so oh, yeah. it's not well, that's so, what I'm saying. like it's been a month and they're gonna get married yeah like, yeah come on um then we have the street profits doing street profits thing backstage hyping up stuff uh bobby rude comes in to stake his claim at the tag team titles cesaro comes in and says hey you're new here you just got drafted this is our tag division uh so they're both Telling the Street Profits, hey, we want the titles. We want we want to be here. 
um, which is good because I completely forgot that Shinsuke and Cesaro were a tag team, especially with Shinsuke being in the six-man tag with other people and Cesaro not being there. Yeah. So at least we got it. Yeah. Um, and then we do our main event. Mm-hmm. Again, storytelling's fantastic. It starts off as a handicap match. It's Jay versus Otis and Kevin Owens. Yes. Until Roman Reigns feels like Jay has put in enough work for him to come down and join the match. <laughs> um, we also have Roman, as Jay is about to get the win and win the match, tell him, get off the top rope and tag me in. I finish the matches, not you. This leads to Jay getting hit with a stunner. Roman Reigns coming in, putting a chokehold on Jay and the ref throwing the match out. Now, I do have a couple issues here. Yep. During the match, Roman went outside with Kevin Owens, mm-hmm. tore apart the steel steps, and beat Kevin Owens with the steel steps. Yeah. How is that not a DQ? <laughs> I know that the I know commentary said, oh, well, they weren't the legal guys. But I'm fairly certain that in a normal tag team match, if I just went under the ring and grabbed, and I'm, I'm on the apron, I get off, I go and I grab a steel chair, and I just start beating up the other guy who's not the legal man in the match outside the ring, like that's not okay. Yeah. It's just totally. something you can do. And WWE likes to pretend that the steel steps, which are used a lot, aren't foreign objects. And most of the time, if you're whipping someone into it, I'm fine with it. But when he literally picks them up and starts pummeling someone with them, at that point, I'm like, that's a DQ. Yeah. Neither here nor there. Then the Roman comes in, breaks up the pin, throws a choke on Kevin Owens. The ref doesn't count. The ref doesn't tell Roman, hey, get off him, get out. He just – he sees it, and he immediately throws the match out. And I'm like, what happened? I thought they have, like, five seconds to get back out of the ring. Like – there are rules here. What the fuck are we doing? The rules, uh, it is, uh, I think, yeah, a couple of months ago, I tweeted out this thing that, uh, what do you want to see more in your wrestling? I want to see more respecting the rules because that, conversely, will mean much more when they break them. Yeah. If you don't respect, Respect the rules. That's why. That's why I, I kind of stopped following uh, uh, New Japan because I don't know. I don't know how familiar you are, but in every New Japan matches, people rumble outside of, of the ring for minutes, literally minutes, and the ref doesn't count. Mm-hmm. You know, like literally every match that happens every match. So, yeah. And I don't know if that's a New Japan thing, if they have a 10-count New Japan or not. Uh, I am not very familiar with New Japan. Um, I have Mm -hmm. my little bubble of WWE and AEW um, that I stick to. Though, after Roman and Jay beat down KO with chairs, Roman then decides to beat Jay with chairs because, hey, you didn't listen. I told you to tag out. You didn't tag out. That's paddling. That was a genius move. Um. Smackdown, spit or swallow? Absolutely swallow. Just, even just because of this last thing, last sentence that you said. Mm-hmm. So fucking amazing. I'm with you on that. I'm going to swallow as well. Um, but what I was alluding to was on mm-hmm. AEW, 
Yeah. Which is where we are finally at. Uh, <laughs> um, so we were talking about the 10 count outside of the ring and it being a culture mm-hmm. thing and me not following New Japan and me being in my little WWE AEW bubble. Yep. Um, there's a little bit of a crossover that we're going to talk about here that's going to get me to go and watch another promotion that I've tried to watch before and I haven't necessarily enjoyed, but I'm going to mm-hmm. give another chance because of this. So let's get into AEW. Uh, we kick it off with the Diamond Battle Royal. This is actually a really – it's a really cool, but I don't think fully fleshed out idea. So I don't understand what the ring represents, the Diamond Ring. Yeah, the Diamond Ring is worth – $50,000 and okay. <laughs> it's not defended. It doesn't get you a title match. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's just a diamond ring. And I also feel like it had a little bit more prominence when diamond Dallas page was there mm-hmm. because it's yeah. a diamond ring, but having everyone start outside of the ring, bum rush in the ring battle, and then do your typical elimination battle Royal from that. Very entertaining. Yeah. Um, we have a few things here. We have Sean Spears and Scorpio Sky not getting in immediately and staring each mm-hmm. other down. Yeah. After Spears does get eliminated, he loads the glove up and hits Spears with the loaded glove, allowing Spears to get eliminated. Um, we have the Dark Order saving Hangman. Please do not put Hangman Page in the Dark Order. <laughs> Please do not do that. Yeah. I, I can't. I agree. I can't. I agree. Don't fucking do that. But they do save him. He he flips outside the ring. They catch him like he's at a rock concert. They body surf him <laughs> back into the ring. He's saved. And then you've got Wardlow, who is basically the bodyguard of both Sammy and MJF, yes. standing there blocking the way. Uh, Miro goes on a tear during the match, eliminating everyone, looking like a straight-up monster. He took yes. out Orange Cassidy for eliminating Kip Sabian. Then... After Miro is eliminated, after going toe-to-toe with Wardlow, mm-hmm. and MJF eliminates Sammy Guevara, we find out that MJF, being the last guy left, isn't really the last guy. Well, I'm sorry, it's MJF and, uh, and Wardlow uh, are the last two. Yes. Orange Cassidy's still in the match. Orange comes in, eliminates Wardlow. So now, fighting for the Diamond Dozen battle, or Diamond Dozen ring, or... The diamond, diamond ring, yeah. yeah. We're gonna get Orange Cassidy versus MJF, and I'm all for that. Yeah, yeah. I I think that this Battle Royal did a good job in setting up many many storylines. That's that was uh, th- that did a good job. I'm not particularly interested in seeing MJF again competing for that for that ring two yeah, years in a row, but yeah. Let's say so far so good. I agree. Um, I, I'd like to see them put something on Orange Cassidy, even if it's a ring that doesn't get him anything. It's it's an accolade to give him because he is one of the standout stars of AEW since this corporation has started. So, yeah, totally, um, totally. Let's put something on him. You're gonna have to. So, as I said, I'm not a huge AEW guy. Um, mm-hmm. I watch AEW after NXT, so. Unfortunately, a lot of things got spoiled for me. Oh, yeah. So I knew a lot of stuff was coming, but I had no interest in watching Jericho versus Kazarian. It was on demand. I fast-forwarded through the majority of the match. Like, don't get me wrong. They're both fantastic wrestlers, but there was no story here to hook me. 
Yeah, it was, was a was a was a filler match. It was probably. a filler match. Um, until the end, when mm-hmm. MJF and Sammy and Wardlow come out, MJF has the towel. It looks like he's going to throw it in. Sammy stops him, and then Jericho yes. sees Sammy with the towel, planting some seeds of dissension, as if MJF is trying to, you know, manipulate Sammy into getting himself kicked out of the yep. inner circle, uh, which I really enjoy. After the match, um, the inner circle breaks down. They start pushing and fighting. You got Wardlow and Hager, mm-hmm. all of this stuff going on because Sammy shoved MJF because MJF was celebrating with Jericho after yep. his win. Uh, Jericho says, next week we're having an ultimatum. Either you guys can work together or we're breaking up the inner circle forever. And it's, oh, yeah. it seems a little early for that. Yeah, yeah. Um... In a recent interview, Chris Jericho said that uh, he he pride he prided himself because of the inner circle lasting for one year, one year long without having any 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 seed planted of uh, of this this faction, this banding. And now <laughs> we are in a, in a in a month, basically, mm-hmm. we've seen everything fall apart. It's kind of cool. It's, it, spoken in a way, existence. it's kind of cool. He spoke it into existence. And we know that Jericho always tricks the audience. Uh, he, he's always working working the fans. So probably him saying that in that interview, which was, if I recall correctly, with Chris Van Fleet, which he knows is the number one guy to go uh, for wrestling interviews. That's probably for now. For now. Until until Frank Mandolini takes over, there we go. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's um, that. Probably, I think that probably was he was working us, and uh, I I feel I agree with you that it is probably a little bit rushed, but I am enjoying the story. Yeah, I will agree with that. I I really do like the uh, the MJF Sammy Guevara dynamic because Sammy was basically. Mm-hmm. Jericho's apprentice. He was Jericho's guy. Yes. He was, you know, Hager's the muscle. You've got yep. the tag team, even though now Jericho and Hager are, are a tag team, which I don't want to get started on. But um, <laughs> Sammy was that uh, that apprentice to Jericho. Now here comes MJF, who's a little more like Jericho in personality yeah. and the way he handles things. And he's kind of sliding into Sammy's spot, and Sammy is not happy about it and doesn't really know how to go about it and he's shooting himself in the foot more than he's helping himself and trying to show Jericho that, Hey, this guy's on some bullshit. So yep. yeah, I'm with it. Um, we got a young bucks interview. This was interesting. So I am not interested whatsoever in the young <laughs> bucks versus the hybrid two, because I do not oh. give two shits about the hybrid two. AEW has not given me a reason to care about the hybrid two. I hear that yeah. they were fantastic in Lucha underground and they were fantastic on the indies and this and that, and all that's great. But I didn't see any of that. I see what AEW gives me, and AEW hasn't given me a reason to care about these guys. So after the Young Bucks tell you know Alex Marvez, hey, didn't we kick you? Blah 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 blah. This and that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They say that they're going to have this match with the Hybrid Two, and if the Hybrid Two win, they'll get a title shot. And then the Acclaimed appear. Yeah. And the Acclaimed are here. They're rapping on the Young Bucks a little bit, um, kind of getting under their skin before TH2 comes in and jumps them and then mm-hmm. right off of uh you know 
the match with Jericho, here come Christopher Daniels and Kazarian to save the Young Bucks from this beatdown. Well, the acclaimed are just kind of standing there enjoying watching. The yeah, enjoying what the, what they saw. Yeah, so the acclaimed have me interested. Again, I could give two shits about Bucks versus Hybrid too. Yeah, I feel the same. But the, but the claim that uh, they have uh, Max Caster, I think, is called the the guy who rap, raps. Yes, and uh, he's is an amazing wrestler and an amazing rapper as well. <laughs> he's a freestyler. He, he does a really good job. Mm-hmm. Then we got Britt Baker versus Layla Hirsch. Mm-hmm. So. This was a fine match. Uh, Layla is like five yeah. foot nothing. <laughs> yeah. She has legs like tree trunks. Um, apparently from Russia, but grew up in America. Um, was mm-hmm. adopted by American parents. Yes. New Jersey. Uh, definitely has that MMA amateur wrestler style look and feel to her. She's dropping suplexes. Yes. A lot of, lot of strikes here. Britt gets the win. And then... And this is why I, this is the part of AEW that I enjoy is this interaction with the NWA, this interaction with Impact Wrestling, this interaction with having John Moxley still be a champion over in New Japan. I believe he's yeah. still a US champion. Yes. Over yeah. He is the US these champion. Interactions with these companies, this is where they draw me in. So here comes Thunder Rosa, who's pissed off that Britt Baker cost her her NWA title shot, mm-hmm. attacking Britt Baker. The refs can't seem to tear them apart. Yeah. Even though Britt Baker isn't my favorite in-ring competitor, I yeah, still likewise. I still want to see her and Thunder Rosa go at it, and I want to see Thunder Rosa beat her ass. Yeah, uh, I, what you said basically, <laughs> I agree every word, and uh, and also they are making uh, this effort to create new stars, uh, and I'm I'm not talking about Thunder Rosa because she she came there. Of course, they had to establish her somehow, but she came already as a champion. Even if you if you never saw so NWA power before, you knew that she has a belt. Yeah. So uh, that, you, that gave her a little bit of legitimacy. But with uh, legit Lila Hirsch, no pun intended, uh, she uh, she's been there for four weeks, I think now three weeks, four weeks, not so much. But now you already see her on the same level as a one Brit Baker. I agree. I agree. Um, all right, let's get into this. Mm-hmm. We had Cody and Darby defeat Team yeah. Taz and Hobbs and Ricky Starks. Um, but the important thing doesn't happen in the match. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, basically, after the match, Darby and Cody are taken out by Team Taz. Brian Cage comes out. They're cleaning house. And then Sting returns to TNT for the first time since his final match on TNT in 2001. So yeah. let me ask you this. There's a, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, mixed emotions about this with Sting being 61 with reports yeah. that they, you know, they showed that he's elite and he has a win-loss record, so mm-hmm. he may be used in matches. The aspect that WWE didn't mm-hmm. clear him to wrestle, now yeah. he's going to AEW. How do you feel about Sting <laughs> in his debut and going forward having matches? First of all, 
um, I do not give a crap of all of the opinions. Uh, he should wrestle, he should not wrestle. Uh, he should. I think that they are smart enough to let them do not not that much physical activity, but just just that little bit that you need to to legitimize his presence. Um, like if you think about it, uh, they needed Jake the Snake Roberts because it was a, a far more recognizable face in wrestling to elevate Lance Archer. Mm-hmm. And Sting can have like the same the same path. It doesn't need to be physical every time, but of course it's Sting. And uh, uh, talking from a fan perspective, I marked the fuck out. <laughs> Totally. And let me explain you why. Because uh, basically... Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me explain you why. Uh, basically, in Italy, we didn't have uh, um, wrestling as a mainstream thing on TV for for long, basically. Uh, th- there were three main periods of mainstream TV wrestling. One was during uh, the height of Alcamania uh, around WrestleMania 6 with uh, Ultimate Warrior, mm-hmm. which I was like three or four years old. And I, I recall those colorful characters, but not more than that. And I have a few toys at home uh, about it from when I was a child. Then fast forward to more or less 99, 2000. Uh, uh, we had uh, on mainstream TV, TV uh, WCW. And uh, then again, fast forward it to 2004, 2005, uh, up until basically the Chris Benoit tragedy, where, where we had uh, SmackDown on, uh, on, on national television. So those are the three, only the three mainstream eras of wrestling in Italy. Other than that, nothing. I mean, even now, even now you can you can like uh, watch uh, AEW on Sky Sport, but it's a pay TV, so relatively a relatively small percentage of the population gets it, and uh, you know uh, it's not that mainstream, uh, especially after the the Chris Benoit tragedy, which was something that uh, many newspapers talked about here. Mm-hmm. Um, so when uh, if you if you followed what what I just I just said, I didn't watch the Attitude Era, right at all because there was no WWF on TV at the time. There was a WCW. I recall Sting for from when I was twelve years old, for example, twelve or thirteen years old, and that was the coolest and most terrifying things because I was quite scared of, of the crow as well. <laughs> so. Uh, it, it is really something that uh, I, I I've always uh, liked Sting. I, I I don't I don't recall like matches from that time, like ninety nine two thousand. But it's such an iconic presence. Uh, I had the chance to follow TNA as well when it was during his time there, which uh, of course it was getting older even at that time. So necessarily wasn't the performer that he used to be like in the early 90s. Right. But uh, nonetheless, he has a presence, an aura that uh, probably just The Undertaker is the only one that matched 
is present. That's that's why that's why people pitch for for the for that match for for decades now. I, I, I well, I'm with so I'm with you. Um, I obviously here in America had access to everything. Yeah. Uh, so. I was always a WWF guy, but when I did watch WCW, um, and I've talked about this previously, the two, like the NWO was cool. I really enjoyed the Wolfpack, but the two characters that really drew me in mm-hmm. were Diamond Dallas Page yep. and the Crow Sting. I oh yeah, I never really got into Surfer Sting because it was mm-hmm. like the Ultimate Warrior. It was like Hulk Hogan. Oh uh, yeah, it was yeah. for kids, in my opinion. It it, it yeah. didn't do it for me. So, but when the Crow Sting came out, as you said, it had that Undertaker mystique. So when he showed up here, just like when he showed up at Survivor Series for the WWE, and I was mm-hmm. like, holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah. I got excited. If Sting wrestles again, the only person I want to see him wrestle is The Undertaker. And if I can't get The Undertaker <laughs> Sting because The Undertaker is now retired, I don't really want to see Sting wrestle. I'd like to see him do other things in wrestling as that character. There's no matchups in AEW where I'm like I re- like Sting versus Moxley would be a dream match for me. like I don't have that you know no me neither me neither but I think I think it can just be this character that it was in WCW in '97 around yeah. that time just the vigilante Sting just comes out doesn't have to say a word he has a baseball bat with him that's it that's all I want to see. And that was the one thing that just it, it rubbed me the wrong way here mm-hmm. is in his debut on AEW, he comes out, he reaches into the long coat, he pulls out the bat, but no one got hit with the bat. They're <laughs> Brian Cage, Hobbs, Ricky Starks, and Taz. It's four on one because Dustin Rhodes, who came out to make the save, he's out, Cody's out, Darby's out, they're all laid out. It's four on one, and these guys bailed, and I get it. It's Sting. You don't want to get yeah. beat up by Sting. Sting has an aura and a presence, so that part I understand. But I also really wanted Sting in his debut to come down and hit somebody with a bat. At least wipe out one or two of them before they ran away. Yeah. Uh, we do get Sting going from person to person, starting with Arn Anderson and staring down Arn Anderson, kind of acknowledging yeah. the history there. Staring down Cody, acknowledging the history there because of Cody's father and Cody saying that uh, growing up Sting was his favorite wrestler Mm -hmm. Um, staring down Dustin who also had a stint in WCW and then history staring down Darby Allen which a lot of people have compared Darby Allen to Sting I personally feel like Jeff Hardy is more of a comparison to Darby Allen than Sting Mm -hmm. but with the way they've set him up in the bleachers. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's because of that. The black and white face paint on half. Is, like, I get it. Um, I definitely think Darby's more akin to Jeff Hardy, though, than I would say mm-hmm. Sting. I'm interested to see where this goes. It was a really cool moment, even though it got spoiled for me on Twitter and <laughs> on Facebook, which, by the way, if you go to facebook.com slash group slash smacking it raw, we have a group chat there, and I am going to do a better job of making sure that the spoilers stay in the chats and out of the feed there's a reason why we have chats ladies and gentlemen i get it it was exciting it was cool keep it because <laughs> some of us don't watch aw live anyway uh we go from that to our main event which is mm-hmm. the other huge <coughs> month 
talking point. Yep. Mox versus Kenny Omega. And before we talk about the really cool aspect, which again happened after the match, Mm -hmm. I have to say in my personal opinion, this run with Mox as champion in AEW and this match and the promo he cut before this match has kind of proven to me that Mox isn't the guy for AEW. He's not the Stone Cold. He's not the Rock. He's not the draw that AEW needs. Given full creative freedom that he wanted, that he left WWE because he was getting, I'm not tuning in every week to see what John Moxley's going to say, what John Moxley's going to do. I'm not tuning in for John Moxley's feuds because of John Moxley. I'm tuning in for John's feuds because of the people he's fighting. Eddie Kingston made me want to oh, see John yeah. Moxley versus yeah. Kingston, not John Moxley. Kenny Omega, who I'm not even that big of a fan of until recently, mm-hmm. makes me want to see Omega versus Moxley, not John Moxley. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm quite sad, but I have to agree with you. I had this feeling distinctively during his 2016 run as a WWE champion that he was much better chasing the title than actually holding it. And uh, when, he, when he started in AEW, I thought to myself, okay, let's see if things change a little bit here. I was hoping for, for that. But no, uh, my, my gut feeling here is that, uh, yeah, he is much better at chasing the title than actually holding it. Uh, at moment, there were some moments that he made me care when he, he, he did like a couple of promos, but it's not something that constantly has you on the edge of your seat. And you know, and you you said it very uh, you said it better when you said Eddie Kingston did that. He was like a, such a magnet for attention. I knew. I knew from day one that Eddie Kingston wasn't going to win the, the title, but it made me believe that that would, could have been possible. Moxley, I don't know. Uh, I, I feel bad saying that, but uh, yeah. He's not, a, he's not a good champion. It, and it is what it is. Uh, like I said, he, he said he wanted to leave WWE because he didn't like the creative they gave him. He wanted freedom, and mm-hmm. he got it. He came to AEW. He got all of the creative freedom in the world, was able to cut his own promos, do everything he needed to do, and he didn't hook me as a guy that I wanted to tune in to see every week. There are yes. other people in the company that have hooked me that I'm like, okay, these are the people in AEW I want to come watch the show to see. John isn't one of them. But let's get into the match. So basically, we've got Don Callis, who is a part owner of Impact. Yeah, he's the EVP. EVP. Lifelong friend of Kenny Omega, who is the EVP yeah. <laughs> of AEW Wrestling. Um, and also lifelong friend of Chris Jericho. Um, He's here because of his relationship. They, they're basically family, he says. Kenny mm-hmm. wanted him here to see him win the title. And there's one point where Kenny goes down outside the ring and the refs are checking on him. And a frustrated Moxley throws the refs aside, drags Kenny in the ring, starts beating him down. And then here comes Don Callis to get the refs' attention and be like, hey, he, he's not okay. Something happened. 
mm-hmm. get Moxley off him. Moxley hits him, knocks him down, and he conveniently just drops the microphone in a way that yeah. Kenny is able to pick it up. He is able to pop Moxley in the head with it. This allows him to get the win. When Callis goes down, he's got a little rose on his chest that goes everywhere. Pedals are lying all over the floor. Kenny gets the one, two, three, and then Don Callis and Kenny run out of the arena. They run past Tony Khan. They run past interviewers. They run past wrestlers. Tony Khan even gets up out of his seat like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. They get outside into the parking lot. They get into a car. Alex Marvez catches up, and he says, hey, what's going on? Like, what is this? And he says, you can find out on Tuesday. Don Callis says, you can find out on Tuesday. And Alex Marvez is like, but Dynamite's on Wednesday. He goes, no, you can find out on Tuesday on Impact. Wow. That shit was amazing. That's what, uh, that comes from, from, Someone, as I, as I said before, someone uh, uh, coming from a country who doesn't have really rich history about wrestling. But that's what wrestling should be, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, because I've studied a little bit about this, this topic, it is how wrestling used to be uh, during the territory days. So yeah. basically you had, like, at the time, you had one world champion that was touring the various territories and... Uh, even though now it's not exactly like that, there's not just one world champion, but we are seeing all of those different pieces of the puzzle coming together finally. We see the NWA, as you said before, through Thunder Rosa. We are now seeing this cooperation between Impact, which started quite, uh, quite a few weeks back with the first uh, interviews on the, of Don Callis. And now you have one world champion traveling to another territory. If you, if you know what I mean. And uh, we can, fans around the world are buzzing about it, uh, fantasizing, fantasy booking uh, matches. I did it myself, fucking hell, I did it myself. I, I immediately thought of the possibility of having uh, Thunder Rosa, which is NWA, but she appears on AEW, versus uh, Killer Kelly, which uh, we've seen her in Impact in the last couple of weeks. She's a, if you're not, I don't know if you're familiar or not, or not. she's a, a Portuguese wrestler and well, she was part of NXT UK. Yes, I, I'm an avid NXT UK watcher, so. Oh yeah, so you know, so you know her. She, she's, a, she's a killer by definition, <laughs> not just by she, name. She, like Tegan Knox, is a big fan of Kane and kind of yeah. styles herself after Kane. Yeah, and uh, the the possibility of having this kind of a mashup between so many promotions, so many styles, and that actually benefits everybody because I'm sure that Impact will have uh, a viewership that could only dream of uh, up until last Tuesday, basically. And that's uh, the big rumor. The big rumor is that this is a one-off. But if Impact pops a big number because of this if it's beneficial going forward for aew and impact wrestling along with like you said the nwa possibly new japan because we know new japan and impact have a relationship Mm -hmm. so this along with the somewhat relationship that new japan already has with at least members of aew yes no john moxley being a champion in new japan so on and so forth as you said like in the attitude era we always wanted to see WWF versus WCW. And we yeah. wanted to see 
that collaboration and you got guys jumping ship but you never there was never a we're actually going to get these dream matches of these guys unless they leave one company and go to another but we're never going to get a full-on wwf versus wcw until 2001 with the invasion mm-hmm. which did not go as planned which flopped badly yeah, big time yeah um but here now like you said we could see nwa wrestlers on impact we can see impact wrestlers on AEW. we can see aw wrestlers in new japan and new japan wrestlers and they could do an actual even though they can't take the name like a world's collide oh yeah show where you've got the best of impact versus the best of the nwa versus the best of AEW versus the best of new japan in tournaments and matches and things and it's a That's very an incredibly exciting time very exciting time really fucking cool shit i don't even think i have to ask frank but aw spit or swallow <laughs> spit no 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 no. <laughs> no 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 i'm joking oh swallow big time <laughs> let me swallow all of it <laughs> i'm swallowing like gianna michael's in a gangbang scene um frank thank you for coming on uh what in your opinion and again i don't think i have to ask was the best show of the week this week there is no other contender than AEW. <laughs> I agree. So for Frank from the Last Minute Wrestling Podcast and the Smackin' Around Podcast, the best show of the week this week, AEW Dynamite. Frank, can you please let everyone know where they can find your podcast, put over some of your interviews, stuff maybe you have coming up, whatever you need to do, plug everything you got. Of course, uh, I'd love to. My home base website, as I, as I call it, is lmwpodcast.com you can find me on every social media you just typing in at lmw podcast i'm at lmw podcast everywhere basically on facebook twitter instagram even though basically the only one that i use is twitter because uh, i fucking despise facebook and i'm not really big on instagram as well so basically the, if you want to get in touch the best place is twitter that's what i'm trying to say uh, or the email frank at lmwpodcast.com uh, i also have a, a patreon a ko-fi and a paypal account again everywhere just look for at lmwpodcast and i will pop up uh, so if you want to to sustain and to help the show in any way that you can or just look out for Last Minute Wrestling Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Podchaser. There are so many of them. Uh, <laughs> you, you name it. Uh, just press play, press follow, rate five stars. Man, there is so many things that we need to ask as podcasters. Too many, yeah, there is. too many. Okay, uh, let me just ask for one. Just look for Last Minute Wrestling Podcast on Spotify. That's it. And press play. Go. There you go. Um, I want to ask that uh, you legitimize yourself like WCW did and go and get yourself a Gmail account. This this last-minute wrestling podcast, <laughs> you having your own website to have an email, that that's not professional. You got to be professional <laughs> like WCW. Get yourself that Gmail account. Um, as you guys know, if you were listening to this podcast or if you're new because you're a fan of Frank's and you wanted to come over and listen, you guys can find us everywhere you find podcasts. I have a link tree at Matt Ritter on Twitter. That is at M-A-T-T-R-I-D-D-E-R. Those link trees, the link tree slash Smack and Raw will take you to the audio versions of this podcast everywhere it can be found. Linktree.com, excuse me, Linktree slash Creation World will take you to the video versions where you can find us on YouTube, on Pornhub, because we are the number one wrestling podcast on Pornhub. Also our merchandise store, 
and our Patreon, so you guys can check us out there. And as I said, facebook.com slash group slash smacking it raw. We have our own Facebook group there that you can come join, have fun, have good discussions. Um, and please go check out facebook.com slash creation world because creation world is the banner under which the smack and mm-hmm. raw podcast exists and other great podcasts like super flash year of tomorrow, the creation conversation, all hosted by Travis that he doesn't let me come on. He gave me this one. And this is where I have to stay. <laughs> so please go check those out. Um, we have some cool stuff coming out for you guys here soon. Unfortunately, Travis couldn't be here. He was working today, uh, but today is his last weekend that he's working. So um, once he doesn't have to do this grind, we'll be cranking out more content for you guys. So please look for that. Check that out. We got some fun stuff coming. Other than that, uh, I think that's it, Frank. That was a terrific opportunity that you gave me. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you I so mean, much. And, and much like much like AW Impact, uh, NWA, Ring of Honor, whatever, uh, as they show us the way that cooperation is beneficial to everybody, I strongly feel like that for content creation as well. We should support each other, stick for each other. Uh, I, I love to put over the stuff that uh, of people like you, who are who are busting their asses week in and week out to create this content that we all can benefit. And um, that's that can be better if we help each other out. We don't we don't have to 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 fight each other. Just help, help us out each other. I agree. That has been my favorite part of 2020 is I've been able to work with a lot of great podcasts that I didn't think when I started this podcast three years ago, I was going to be doing you, someone who has worked with RVD and Veda Scott, um, the dead ass girls, those wrestling girls, smacked raw podcast, the Kenny for your thoughts, the young Kings wrestling, mm-hmm. all of these great podcasts, uh, the hardest part of the ring, which our newest episode is out. So if you like hearing yeah. people talk about penis, please go check that out. Um, <laughs> Kyle, tuna can, Kyle is very disrespectful in the way he pronounces my name in both the intro and the outros uh, where I'm not there. <laughs> so please go check that out as well. That's available. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's been my favorite part. And I, I love doing things with people from other cultures, other countries, other places, and getting their perspective on things, seeing how people view things outside. So thank you for coming on and bringing your perspective to our show. Uh, it's very cool for me to have someone all the way from Italy come on enjoy our product and want to be a part of it so thank you it was my pleasure thank you for having me for frank mandolini of the last minute wrestling podcast i am the warden matt ritter we are smacking it raw we're the number one wrestling podcast on Pornhub. hub bye bye